Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six. Where are we? Is it Tuesday the 6th? I think so. It's something like that. Lots on the show that we need your input on. Some of this is going to make you laugh. Some of it's going to make you very angry. And I've got another little personal kind of thing. I've I've not yet been told off for abusing the BBC. Hang on. In light of current scandals, I should rephrase that. For using the BBC for my own purposes. Uh, So I'm going to do a little bit more of it later on today. If you're car aware... Uh, listen, because I'm going to need your help a bit later on. But before that, lots of interesting stuff on the show. I'll give you the way to get in, in, in touch in a few minutes. First off, man begins life sentence for the murder of a retired colonel in Hertfordshire. Hear more in a minute. It's reported that MP for Mid-Bedfordshire, Nadine Dorries, you know her, yes, she's set to appear, apparently, on the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here programme. Will it raise the county's profile, or is she just seeking publicity? And should theatres in the three counties do more for people with sight problems? Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to the Facebook page. I've posted all of that up there on the Facebook page. You can leave your your, your say, your comment, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or... And this is the best way to do it, let's be honest. You can give me a call, 08459 455... Five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, uh, my car, right, it's nothing fancy, it's a six-year-old polo, okay? And about, about six days ago, uh, I was lucky enough that a picture of Aladdin's lamp appeared on the dashboard. And I got all excited and thought, oh, it's a golden Aladdin's lamp. That means, I don't know, I can make a wish or something. I- I've won a prize or something. Uh, and I mentioned it at work today, and they're like, oh, no, you idiot. It means you need to change the oil. That's a bad thing, isn't it? L- listen, I, uh, th- th- two things from this, please, uh, you're, I- I- if you'll I- indulge me slightly. Firstly, what on earth do... I've got no idea what I do to make this horrid light go away. It's been about five days. It's been about 200 miles... It's golden, and it looks like Aladdin's lamp. What on earth do I do? I'm guessing I've got to put oil in. I've, I don't have a clue how to do it. I don't have a clue. I genuinely need your help on that. 08459 455 555. Uh, and perhaps more significantly is that the, the, the women in the office, Catherine and Laura, my producer, and, and uh, various others, laughed at me because I, didn't know, I genuinely didn't know what this, what this light meant on there. I didn't know it was oil. So can I find other men this morning who are prepared to put their hands up and say, yeah, I don't know about cars. So all you got to do is just, just phone up and say, I don't know about cars. 08459 455 555. Can we find the most useless man listening to this show on BBC Three Counties? You'll be hard pushed to be more useless than me. I don't know about cars. I, ca- I can't even drill a hole in the wall. I did it once to put some shelves up. Um, and I made the holes way too big, so the shelves were just kind of like balancing on these screws that were sort of sitting in the wall, and that was it. So this morning, I want to find someone who can tell me what to do with my car, man or woman, I'm not sexist, and also I want someone to admit, yes, I'm going to start a group, okay? I'm going to start like a 12-step group for men who are useless. I'm going to be the first member, my name's Ian, I'm useless. Can you phone up and just say that? I'm a useless man. 08459 455 555. 
Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a convicted murderer is beginning a second life sentence for the murder of a retired colonel on the doorstep of his home in the village of Phoenix Pelham in Hertfordshire. 33-year-old uh, Christopher Doherty Punch and shot 83-year-old Robert Riley Workman in cold blood with a sawn-off shotgun almost nine years ago. Within a year, he also shot and killed traveller Fred Moss and was convicted in 2006 of his murder. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, looks back at the case of the killing of the colonel. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello? The ambulance service. What's the, the emergency services were first alerted to the murder of Colonel Robert Riley Workman, described as a perfect gentleman, almost nine years ago. The call was made in the early hours from a phone box in the nearby village of Broffing. Still, to this day, no one knows who made the call. Just one of the many mysteries of this murder, which has been described as something out of an Agatha Christie novel. The colonel's carer, Josette Swanson, was the first person to find him dead one fateful morning in January 2004 in the quiet village of Fernox Pelham. So I came in that way and I looked and it was like Piccadilly Circus. The lights were all on and I knew that something different completely... And as I drove my little jeep, I just saw his foot, leg on the doorstep. And I ran, and there I could see he'd been dead for hours. I'm not quite sure whether I grabbed a duvet and covered him over or what I did. I sort of danced around in shock, really. At first, it was thought he'd died of natural causes, as there was no visible injuries. But it turned out he'd been shot by Christopher Doherty Punchin, then known as Nuds, using a sawn-off shotgun. No one knows why the former pest controller killed the colonel on his doorstep. Theories include it was a hit job done for money and the colonel had threatened to expose him for criminal activity he was involved in. The only known contact between the two men had been when the accused had worked for the colonel on a wasp's nest a few months previously. The Crown Prosecution Service says it's not uncommon to bring murder cases which have no apparent motive. But as far as the police are concerned, they were convinced that Doherty Punchin was responsible after another murder he committed. It's thought Fred Moss was killed at the end of 2004 because he knew too much about the Colonel's murder. Detective Superintendent Bill Jeffson is from Hart Police. I think we need to look at the fact that he is a convicted murderer and... Uh, that conviction, the body has never been recovered, so the family have never been able to put to rest Fred Moss, uh, and it's only someone that's cold and calculated that, that would do that. Something else which has never been recovered is the shotgun used to kill the colonel. Doherty Punchin's uncle claims to have discovered a sawn-off shotgun in his nephew's Range Rover, but it wasn't seen again. The case against Doherty Punchin rested on the evidence of former cellmates, whom he confessed to about killing the colonel whilst he was in prison for the murder of Fred Moss. It may have taken almost nine years, but we now know who killed the colonel. What we don't know is why. Seriously, I want some men to find up and say, Ian, I'm a rubbish man. I'll, I'll admit it. I can't do cars. I can't do DIY. I can't, I can't do anything. Phone up, brothers. Join me. 
08459 455 555. Phone up and say, yes, Ian, I am a rubbish man. I can't do things. I can't do things. But then also I want a bloke to phone up and tell me how to fix my car. So, you know. So, um, uh, an Aladdin's lamp has appeared, like a picture, an illuminated picture, on um, the dashboard of my car. I thought I was quids in. I may be quids out. Dave? Hello, mate. What, 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 what's wrong? What do I need to do? It's either low on oil. Yeah. Or it needs an oil service, because I do my own servicing. I've got cars and trucks. Oh, this all sound, suddenly sounds very, very complicated. No, just take it in someone like Quick Fits. Yeah. For about 20 quid, they'll do a full oil service, which is oil and filled with change. Dave, what are the chances of you coming to the Three Counties car park this morning and doing it for me for free? Uh, I'm going to get a 45-foot truck in there. Oh, nuts. Dave, you've come up with... But if it, <laughs> right, listen, if it's just an oil change, right, listen, I'm, I'm 39 years old. If it's, just a, if it's just putting oil in, topping the oil up, I can do that, can't I? Yeah, if, it, if it's just... All you do is open the bonnet. On top of the engine, it'll be... Hang on, well, go back a step. Go back a step. You said open the... Open the bonnet. And how do I do that? There'll be a lever inside the car... The picture of the bonnet on it. Okay, that's oh, that's what that is, right? I've seen that. Yep. Yes. Hold that. Yep. Open the bonnet up. Well, underneath the, underneath the bonnet, on top, alongside the engine, will be a dipstick somewhere. I beg your pardon. Who? Oh, there's actually, there's actually what it's called. Okay, yeah. Yeah, dipstick. Yeah. And I put some oil in there. No, hold that out. Oh God, it's yeah. We'll check, we'll check the level. There'll be a, a lower mark and an upper mark. Yeah. And all you do, get your oil. Under the top of the engine, there's a cap. Yeah. Pour it in there until it comes Dave, up. I'm going to stop you there. It's already far more complicated than I ever dreamed possible. You lost me. Open the bonnet. Dave on the M1, thank you. Taunting me. He has the knowledge. He won't come and help me, though. Oh, you're selfish, David. You're selfish. Um, we're asking for useless men. Be proud. Stand and be proud, useless men. Come on. Uh, Ian, I may beat you. I'm. U- oh, this is great. Oh, no, here we go. I'm useless at DIY, gardening and cars. I can't even open the bonnet. My wife, Jo, know, knows more about cars than me. Thanks. Philip Useless from Whitchurch. Let's just start like a 12-step group, OK? Like, you've got AA and all these groups. They're, they're, they're sorted. The alcoholics are fine. It's the useless men who need help. I want you to phone up. Come on the air this morning and say, Ian, yes, I am a useless man. I don't even know how to work the lawnmower. I, I can do that, but that's it. 08459 455 555. Be proud of being useless. Too long we've hidden in the shadows. Stand up and be proud, for God's sakes, men. And can someone fix my car for please? Just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a jackdaw withal. But Benedict laughs with an air of uncertainty. You have no stomach, senor. He sucks in his stomach with a sheepish grin. Fare you well. She sighs, turns on her heel, and marches off. How's about that, then? Huh? Wasn't that good? Uh, That's an example of an audio description from a production of Much Ado About Nothing at the National Theatre. If you're visually impaired or blind and go to the theatre, you might use audio description to tell you what's happening on stage. You see these advertised in cinemas quite often, and they do them in theatres as well. Later on, we're going to hear from a visually impaired man from Milton Keynes who says theatres should do more for people with sight problems. But before that, Louise Fryer works as an audio describer, and she's on the line now. Good morning, Louise. Good morning. 
I was surprised to hear that this happens in theatres. How does it work? Do, do you, is it pre-recorded or do you do it live? or how, What's the deal? It has to be live because actors sometimes forget their words or they do different business than they've done the night before. I and suppose the they do, of course, yes. Is that you have to nip in and out of the dialogue so you don't want to talk over the dialogue at all. So it can't pre-record it, it has to be live. How much prep do you do? Uh, do, you, do you go to rehearsals and, and, and have a little look at what's going on? It depends on the production, but not normally to a rehearsal, because the timing isn't fixed by then. Mm. So I'd go and see it in the theatre once. We usually are able to take away a rather poor quality, grainy DVD, which at least allows you to, to test out little bits of script and work out where they can fit within the gaps that are currently available. Then I'll go and see it again in-house and try that out and see if the timing has changed and then do the described performance. And so how does it work? Do you, do you, do you sit at the back or have you got a little box and you've got a, a, a little mic going, the... Uh lead character is now picking up the knife and is thrusting it. Is it that kind? Is that how it works? You, it depends on the theatre and what facilities they have. Right. So at somewhere like the National Theatre, you'll sit in the director's box, which has a very good view of oh, the stage, fantastic, but yes. it's behind glass, so the audience can't hear you. Right. But your blind and partially sighted audience will be listening on a headset, so they can hear the ordinary sound of the actors from the stage, and then in their ear they can hear you as we heard Tony just then, yeah. describing what's happening. Oh, you know that gentleman who was doing that, do you? Oh, I certainly do. I work at the National too. Oh, there we go. It's just, I, I'm guessing that there aren't that many people that do this, are there? It's, uh, it's a small but growing profession. <laughs> and how many, uh, at the National, how many uh, people do you have who use this service? It, again, varies massively from show to show. So a very popular show, more blind and partially sighted people will come, and a less popular show, fewer. So you may have as few as as just a couple of people at other productions or performances you might have up to 60 people now i don't know your fear or anything but what are the total costs kind of involved with this it varies again yeah. from theater to theater and how much information and what kind of services you're going to provide so at the the kind of top end if you like um we'll pre-record introductory notes so people will have a description of the characters and the costumes and the set design and oh, maybe even an interview with the actors or information from the director and that gets sent out in advance on CD when people book their tickets yeah. or they can download it. Vocalise, for example, allows people to, to download it from their website. Um, when people come to the theatre, they can come in advance. They have about an hour or half an hour to go on stage and look around the set and feel the costumes and the props. And make Sorry, they, get to, they the get to feel the costumes and the props? They do. I How marvellous. I described Mamma Mia recently and the cast all turn up in their lycra and... Oh, um, dear. Very allowed. I wouldn't you know, want to feel that. They make themselves very available. They're very kind. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> and, and so it, it, it's, it can be quite expensive, though, can it, to, to, to provide this service? It can. And then, obviously, you've got the description itself and that's usually given by two describers and so the, the costs can mount up. So for an individual show mm. it may be as uh, over a thousand pounds wow but as a fraction of the production budget that's not massive and no. um you know obviously it can be cheaper than that and then the more performances you do then the kind of unit cost comes down but i guess if, if it is that much money and and some of these these touring productions that you know they aren't making as much as perhaps as something at the national it's possibly understandable why not many theaters are picking this up and doing this as often as perhaps they could be i think in a sense, it's understandable, but on the other hand, they would increase their audience, and with a touring show in particular, mm. develop one, one script, and then that script and the describers can travel around the country with the show. So, actually, the costs become uh, much less because the performance is going to be repeated in lots of different places. So, all those initial setup costs are borne once, mm. 
and then the performance costs are really very low. Um, I, I don't know. It depends how important you think access is. I happen to think access is extremely important, and people are happy to put in a, a ramp in a building to make it accessible to mm. a wheelchair user. Then they should also be willing to make their production accessible to people who have sight problems. Louise, absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much for that. That's Louise Fryer. She works as an audio describer. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. She's got the perfect voice for it, doesn't she? Oh, I could listen to that. Thank you, Louise. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Coming up this morning, uh, how Americans living in beds, hearts and bucks feel about the American election and why a Buckinghamshire man has received a suspended prison sentence for lending money to his colleagues. Also, I need help with my car. The Aladdin's lamp that's lit up, apparently it's not an Aladdin's lamp, it means oil. Gulp. That sounds like a really blokey thing. So I need to know what to do. And also, I, 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 listen, let's, let's be honest. Let's put our hands up, brothers, and say, I'm a useless man. I can't do cars. I can't do DIY. I can't even paint. I can't paint a wall. I did it once. It was awful. And you think painting a wall would be easy. You just get a brush and some paint and you sew the paint with a stick. I remember that. And then you, it was awful. So if you're like me and you're not particularly good at being a man, just phone up and admit it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text as well if you're if you're shy if you don't want to come on the air eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. Now here's something that uh, I'm sure you have an opinion on, and you can give us a call about this. If you live in Mid Bedfordshire, you could be without your MP for a month. Nadine Doris, yes. Oh yeah, her. Yeah. It's reported, and it is just reported at the moment, although these reports are starting to come in thick and fast, that she's in Australia to take part in the reality show I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. What do you reckon? Appropriate? A great way of promoting the area and getting some attention? Or publicity seeking and a bit desperate? 08459 455 555. Uh, Justin Dealey is uh, our Three Counties reporter today. He's out following the story. Justin? Yes, Ian, good morning. On the, on the way to Mid Bedfordshire, on the way to Ampshire, going to be there hopefully in around 30 minutes' time. But um, I think that there's certainly going to be lots of opinion about this story. You saw my face this morning when I heard about <laughs> this. I was shocked at this story. You, let, let's say shocked, yes. You were yes, shocked. Was putting it mildly. I, I can't imagine my local MP, Mike Penning, doing this. I thought that, that you went into Parliament because you wanted to make a difference. Not to become a celebrity, but maybe times have changed. It does seem odd that if she's definitely doing this, we don't know for sure, but if she's definitely doing this, she will be away from her constituency for a month. She'll be getting paid uh, tens of thousands of pounds. It's rumoured £40,000 in the newspapers, mm. I suspect a bit more. It does seem slightly inappropriate, doesn't it? It does seem very, very odd. Uh, apparently she's going to be missing an EU budget if she goes in there, an EU budget vote, and also Chancellor George Osborne's UK mini-budget. The Taxpayers' Alliance, they are calling her a Z-list celebrity. Already she is facing the wrath of people on Twitter this morning. Now, what I have done, Ian, yes. I've come out this morning with a photograph of Nadine Dorries because I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Love it or hate it is a very, very popular programme. Very popular. So I've been out with a photograph of Nadine and I've been speaking to Danielle and I've been asking her whether she knows who this lady is. Take a listen to this. Now, Danielle, I have a photograph here. Can you name this lady? No. Not in the slightest? I haven't got a clue. No ideas? Not got a clue. That's Nadine Dorries, MP for Mid-Bedfordshire. Never seen her before in my life. Now, you are a fan of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. You watch it, you watch it with your mum, you love it very much. So, would that interest you, watching Nadine Dorries on that TV show? No, because she's not a celebrity. I know sometimes they have, like, Z-listers, but mm. at least you see them sometimes on the telly or sometimes in the public, but I've never seen her before in my life. So she's not even a Z-lister? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Thank you, Angie. Bit harsh, Ian, but I'm sure a lot of people would say that's very fair. The views there of Danielle. So I'm at Toddington Services right now. I will be going to Ampthill very, very soon. I'll be in the Waitrose car park there. If you've got a view about this, come and see me. As you're saying, these are only reports, but they are coming in thick and fast. She could be out of action, if you like, locally for four weeks. What do people think about that? We shall find out on the show this morning. Just tell us exactly where you're going to be again, Justin. Going to be in the Waitrose car park live in Ampthill. Should be there from about seven o'clock. So uh, come and see me if you've got a view. OK, if you see Justin loitering around there, do go and say hello. Very quickly, Justin, we're also asking for men to, to stand up and, and be proud and yeah. be loud <laughs> and admit they are useless men. Can you fix a car, Justin? No, you can, must be joking. Can you decorate? No. Can you do anything? <laughs> say it, brother. Say, I, Ian, I'm a useless what? man. Ian, I'm a useless man. I tried to put a picture up about six months ago. There's <laughs> about seven holes in the wall. <laughs> I had to go and get a large photograph to cover them all up. In my experience, just get the experts The in. hardest thing in the world, right, is I can put one picture up, but then lining another picture up with that is... <laughs> It's impossible. Oh, we are useless together. How do they do it? Justin, I'm glad. I'm glad that we are useless together. Come on, you've got me and Dealey admitting it. Gentlemen, put your hand up. Be proud. Say, yes, Ian, I'm a useless man. Speak to you after this. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Philip Schofield's in trouble for eating a, a, a guinea pig. Is it a guinea pig? No, it's a hamster. No, it's a guinea pig. What's the difference? I don't think there is any difference, is there? He's in trouble for eating one on TV. Uh, it, I, I do like Philip Schofield. He's such a nice man. Genuinely a nice bloke, as you'd expect. And he doesn't really care. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't care in the slightest. Now, it's decision day in America. After months of campaigning, the polls show that Barack Obama and his Republican rival, Mitt Romney, are practically neck and neck, although I think Barack Obama is kind of ever so slightly in the lead. The public get to decide who should be their next president. But how do Americans living in beds, hearts and bucks feel about the election? Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been along to see American football team, the Bedfordshire Blue Raiders, in training, and met a man from Missouri who now lives in the county. Let's go, gentlemen, let's go. Step back. Step back. My name's Walter Bates. Um, I live in Luton. Um, I moved over here in 2003. St. Louis, Missouri is where, where my family's at right now. My dad was in the military, so I moved around a lot. And what position do you play with the, the Blue Raiders? I, I'm an offensive tackle. Did you play when you were in America? No, actually, I didn't. This is my um, playing for this team was my first time playing. I, I grew up playing baseball, so that was my sport growing up in school and all that. About the election, all the polls are kind of indicating that it's completely tied at the moment. But who are you backing? Uh, Romney. I've always been a Republican. I've I've never been a Democrat or, or s- stood for their views and that. So you've lived in Bedfordshire for nearly ten years. Yeah. Um, do you think that it makes much of an impact to us in this area and in this country? Who is the, the American president? Not really. I don't think it does, to be honest. No. I'm, I mean, our policies over here are totally different. Our government's totally different. We're out here on an extremely wet um, and blustery Sunday morning. Why on earth do you put yourself through this? It's just love of the game. I love getting out there, hitting people uh, and competing. It's just, it's just fun. We play uh, senior league football, which is 18 upwards. We play in uh, uh, Division 2. It's just been restructured. And it's just trying to get as many people who are interested in American football together in Bedfordshire and surrounding areas as we can and get them to play some football. My name's Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm the offensive coordinator here at Bedfordshire Blue Raiders. And do you find that more people are becoming interested in the sport? Yes and no. We get we have just finished our rookie sessions and we get quite a, a big number of turnout to them. And the more they do it, sometimes it doesn't always work out for them, but they still enjoy watching it uh, on Sunday evening 
games and then we get the guys here who are cold and wet and but working hard nonetheless you got a couple of american um, players on the team yeah are the americans better at american football uh, in some cases yes in some cases not so much but both the guys we have here are, are really good contributors good team players they play well they bring a lot to us so yeah it helps us out in this instance what do you expect is going to happen with the election to be honest I haven't been paying attention I hope Romy gets in but like I said I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to it so Walter from Missouri uh, backing Romley, but he says he hasn't been paying much attention to the election. Do you? Can I ask you a question? Right. It's all over the news. We'll be covering it all day. Five live, our four will. It'll be on the telly. Do you care who the American president is? It affects us, doesn't it? It's, it's important to us. Of course it'll affect us. They're the most powerful country in the world at the moment. Do you care? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five. Five double five. Joe is from Letchworth. Joe, I know you've got called in about this, but do you care who the American president is? I do, I do, yes. Why? Uh, because we have a lot of trade with America, and don't forget our uh, secret services are pretty much in bed together um, with America, so it's, I think it's very important that whoever the president is, we need to make sure that that person's going to be compatible with, with our prime minister and you know, keep this, this, this special friendship going, as, as they call it. OK, that's interesting. J- Joe, now listen, the, the, uh, far more important things than who runs the biggest country <laughs> in the world. The, the, my car! What do I do with it, Joe? Well, like, like, like you said, we had the, your man who was on the uh, who was driving his truck. It, like I say, it could be need an oil service, or it's a, a low on oil, or it could even be a faulty oil sensor. But do you know what? It, what type of car is it in, by the way? I, it's, I, I, it's a cla- it's it's what I like to call a classic. It's a VW Polo. It's six years old. Okay. Well, in that case, Three it's probably one point one point four. <laughs> it probably just needs an oil filter and a change. And if you come to Watford around midday when I get back from Bristol, I'll quite happily do it for you. Joe from Letchworth. Listen, I'm not allowed to accept freebies. I work for the BBC, but see you later on. Keep his details. Thank you very much indeed. There we go. Come on, that's what we wanted. A freebie. Thank you, Joe. I'm going to see if I can do it myself first, though. OK, so I'm, I'm celebrating today being a useless man. And I think there is a lot of pressure on men in particular... To be good at everything, to be great lovers, to be good at DIY, cars, work, careers, dads, all of that stuff, right? Two of those things I'm good at, I'm not saying which ones. But I am proudly putting my hands up today and saying, do you know what? My name is Ian, and I'm a useless man. Right, and, and I thought this would be a nice little kind of group that, that, that the useless men could stand up and go, do you know what? Yeah, I'm useless as well. I don't need to feel ashamed or guilty anymore. Well, the backlash has started. Doreen in Watford. I'm looking in the handbag, uh, handbook. That's what it's for. I know that and I don't drive. All right, Doreen, calm down. And then an anonymous texter. 81333, starting their text 3CR. Anonymous. That tells you something about the person who texted this. You are winding me up. Why are you proud to be useless? It's not big. It's not clever. It's no wonder this country is going down the tubes with men like you. You should be ashamed, not proud. Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Anonymous, I am proud to be useless. And so are all my listeners. Ha ha ha! 08459 455555. If you think I'm shameful and wrong, do give me a call and tell me. Let's juke this out on air, shall we? Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Pet Shop Boy's leaving. I've made a new rule. I'll, I'll, if the song is really obvious and you know who it is and what the song is, I'm not going to say who it is. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, that was the Pet Shop Boys. You probably knew that. It was called Leaving Though, so you may not have known that. 08459 455 555. I'm still reeling from that text 
that says I should be ashamed of being useless. Au contraire, I'm embracing it. And you should too, brothers. Now, this is an interesting story. A Buckinghamshire loan shark who lent money to his work colleagues has received a 12-month suspended prison sentence. 57-year-old Keith White from Aylesbury must also complete 250 hours of unpaid work and pay £9,000 in costs following the hearing at Aylesbury Crown Court yesterday. Kath Williams is the liaison manager for the England Illegal Money Lending Team who investigated the case. Good morning, Kath. Good morning. How did this case come to light? Um, it was actually his employers who reported him to us because um, they had concerns about what was going on. And who was he lending money to? He was lending money to work colleagues. His records that we found when we raided his house showed he was lending money to 30 colleagues um, where, at the place where he worked. So he, he, he kept records and, and detailed notes. It, it was a pretty organised operation then. Absolutely. Unlike a lot of the people that we deal with, to be honest, quite often the people we convict keep very, very shoddy records, but this guy actually had meticulous records of who he'd lent to and the amounts that he'd lent. How much was he lending and what kind of interest was he charging? He was lending out about £3,000, £4,000 every month, which is quite small scale for some of the people that we come across. And he was charging people £30 for every £100 they borrowed. Okay, so if I, I'm try, I'm, it's too early for me to do the maths, and I'm an idiot. If they, someone had borrowed four thousand pounds, well, how much would they have to pay back? Oh, now you're asking oh, me. Oh, sorry, have I put uh, you on the spot. <laughs> I, 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 a lot. A lot. Yes, we'll, we'll go with a lot. We, we, I hear, you know, I, I'm, I'm here of loan sharks and, and people lending money like that, and I, I immediately think of, of, of kind of thugs who are being very threatening and intimidating. Were, were there any threats of violence involved? Not in this case, no, but you're absolutely right, that is the generic pattern. Because loan sharks can't take you to court to get their money back, quite often they resort to violence, intimidation and threats to make sure you carry on paying them. If, if, if there was no violence or no threats of violence and people were happy to, to borrow his money at his interest rates, I, what was the problem? Why was, there a, why was he breaking the law? Um, the law states that if you want to lend money as a business, you've got to have a consumer credit licence from the Office of Fair Trading. And that's basically there to protect consumers. It stipulates how you advertise, how much you can, um, how you can advertise your interest, what happens if people miss a payment and things like that. So people who don't have a licence break the law and the consumers lose that protection. Is that if they're doing it with lots of people? Supposing I was to lend um, work experience Ollie here some money and say, right, <laughs> this, is the, this is the interest rate, this is how much you have to pay me back by, would that be breaking the law? It's got to be to two or more people, so I'm afraid okay. Ollie wouldn't be protected in that situation. But if you were yes. lending to Ollie and your producer, then absolutely you would be. I would know, listen, I'm, I'm borrowing the money off the producer to lend it to Ollie. <laughs> so it's, we, we get the now listen, these, these are tough, seriously, these are, these are tough times for people, and, and banks are perhaps not being as, as generous as they once were. There's clearly a market for these kind of people, isn't there? Absolutely there is, and we're finding an increase in cases across the country. One of the frightening statistics we had from last year was 20% of the victims we dealt with had actually borrowed in the run-up to Christmas. And it's not large amounts of money we're talking about. The average amount people will borrow is three, £400. So even if the banks are feeling generous, they don't really want to lend three or £400. They'd much rather lend three or four grand sometimes. Mm. So it's quite difficult for people to find instant access to those small amounts of money and that tends to be the gap that loan sharks think they can fill. And, and that's when it kind of gets tricky, doesn't it? You think, well, 300 quid, it's not that much, but once the interest and you miss a payment and then, then you're in trouble, aren't you? 
absolutely. I mean, we've had cases, not this one, but we've had cases where people have borrowed small amounts of money and paid back tens of thousands wow. over periods of 10, 20 years. Really? And they've just, yeah, they've just been working to pay off one person's greed. Mm. And it's it's just not worth it. The problem is loan sharks don't go around with a banner on saying I'm a loan shark. Quite often, it's your friend. It's someone down the pub. It's someone known on the estate who can help you out if you're a bit short. And it's only when payments are missed or someone says, hang on a minute, I'm sure I've paid you back by now. Mm. But it's turned nasty and it gets out of control. Uh, Kath, I appreciate the time. Kath Williams, liaison manager for the England Illegal Money Lending Team. Uh, and later on in the show, we'll be speaking to a credit union uh, who counsels... So I don't know who that is. Uh, David Pickering from Buckinghamshire Trading Standards. Ollie, sorry about that. It looks like you've got no rights whatsoever. And you owe me another 50 quid by the end of today, please. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, just after 7 o'clock. It's Tuesday, it's the 6th of November, it's cold, it's wet, it's miserable. Frost on the car this morning, proper frost. I haven't got a scraper. I'm such a useless man. So I sat in the car for 10 minutes while the ice melted on the window. I am celebrating being a useless man today, and I want you to do the same. There's so much pressure on us blokes, isn't there? To be successful, to be good parents, to be good lovers, to be able to do the decorating, to be able to fix the car. I can do two of those things. Not saying which ones. Are you useless? Give me a call. Embrace it. Celebrate it. 08459 455 555. I've had a couple of angry texters who are furious. Furious with me for for admitting being useless. If you uh, agree, and it's, it's shameful that I'm being useless, 08459 455 555. Also coming up in this hour, MP Nadine Dorries, according to reports, is going into the jungle for I'm a Celebrity. Is she abandoning you? Is it appropriate and right for a serving MP to go into the jungle? 08459 455 555. Americans go to the polls today to vote for their next president. How much do you care about the US election? You heard in the news there um, reports about one Milton Keynes man thinking that more should be done to help blind people go to the theatre. Do you agree? Or do you think it's more unnecessary costs? Lots of ways to get in touch. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Had a couple of interesting tweets about being a useless man. I am useless. The, 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 what I thought was an Aladdin's lamp had appeared on the dashboard of my car. It turns out, we found out in the last hour of the show, it means I need oil. Someone phoned up. Dave very kindly phoned me up, told me what to do. He started by saying, open the bonnet. Whoa, stop you there, Dave. Go back a bit. How do I do that? That's how useless I am. I am going to have a go at putting oil in. I'm going to go to a shop. I'm going to buy some oil, and I'm going to try and put it in. <laughs> Um, DF118 has tweeted, Ian, it is useless men that keep this country in business by paying people to do what we can't. Hashtag proud to be useless. If you're useless and you're proud of it, give me a call. Come on. Phone up and say, Ian, I am a useless man. 08459 455 555. If you're a useful woman and you want to have a pop, then please do. The same number. Now, if you live in Mid-Bedfordshire, you could be without your MP, Nadine Dorries, for up to a month. It's reported that she's in Australia to take part in the reality show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of It. A show I turned down last year, by the way. 
Oh, yes, I turned it down. Ms Dorries will be the first serving MP to take part in the programme. As well as risking the anger of those she represents for taking extended leave from a day job, she will also face questions from senior MPs, according to The Sum. Well, Toby Earle is a TV critic. He joins me now. Morning, Toby. Morning there. Why did you turn it down? I turned it down because my missus was pregnant and it was just a little bit too close to the due date. And also, I've only ever done, like, sort of one uh, reality programme with a small R. It was um, the the, the cookery programme. What is it? Uh, Daddy. Daddy. No, I'd, well, I've done that. I wouldn't call that reality. Um, <laughs> the one where they c- come dine with me. Right. Okay. And I, 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 I dipped my toe in, and I, I didn't like, I didn't like it. To be okay. honest, I didn't like it. Oh, ne- never it- say never, because they offered a shed load of money. I was going to, I was going to say. I mean, if you're saying you're a useless chap, there would be no need for you to be around anyway, because you're not going to be changing nappies or anything. You might as well have a few weeks off. I could I, listen. I can change thirty nappies. I'm good at that. That's about it. And and the, do you know what? It was that it was so much money they offered, and it was very very tempting. And I kind of thought, well, you know, maybe one. One day, never say never, but I, I didn't really fancy it. Well, your heart's not in it, and if your heart, <laughs> and if your heart's not in it, it's very hard to eat kangaroo testicles. Well, again, Toby, now going off on a tangent, I had the meeting and I said, "Look, I'm a vegetarian. Would you make me eat um, a, a, a wallaby's willy?" And they said, "No, we just make you eat horrible vegetables." Well, I can do that. That's easy. Yeah, that's not much of a challenge, really. It's no it? challenge at all, is it? We all eat horrible vegetables. What do you think about Nadine Dorries going in the jungle, if indeed she is? Well, it's, I mean, if it is, if it is true, it, it's, it's quite curious. Um, is her profile big enough to really resonate with the public? Um, certainly at Westminster, um, she's well-known enough. Um, I, I, think, I think she's dubbed Mad Nad, isn't she, by some of the tabloids? I believe so, yes, Mad um, Nad. So, so, there is, uh, so there is that kind of... Um, cheap characterisation, I guess, that you, you, you could say that she has perhaps around Westminster Village and, and certainly within the tabloids. But is she well-known enough on a grander scale? Uh, it's hard to say, But then really. a lot of those people aren't... Well, I mean, if I'd gone in, I wouldn't have been particularly well-known. And there's always... You get the list every year and you go, right, know them, know them. Who on earth is that? There's a lot of that, isn't there? there I mean, there, there is, there is, there is. Of course, there's always the odd, there's always the odd individual who you're not entirely sure who they are, and be that because they're just not in a realm that you follow, or that they're say an, an, an American individual whose work you're not entirely aware of. But I mean, if, if the rumours are true, and you have the likes of Linda Robson and David Hay and Eric Bristow in the jungle, then the crafty names, Cockney, yeah, then, then those names uh, are fairly, are fairly decent enough to <laughs> keep people tuned in. That they are fairly decent enough. I like the way that that, that you have to cite a, a darts player from 1986 as being <laughs> not just any old darts player. In this is the craftiest Cockney of them all. It is the craftiest Cockney of them all, Toby. You're right. Now she she could she, if she's in, she'll be the first serving MP to be in the programme. Mm. How do you think that's going to go down with the government, Toby? Well, I mean, Dave was on the phone to me this morning and said <laughs> that, DC. Uh, he, well, he, he wasn't chuffed. Well, it's, it's, it, I mean, it, has she cleared it? Has has she been given permission to do this? I mean, they're not they, the government. They've not got a lot on at the moment, have they? And there's not a lot that they need to really be around for. No, no, just just people going no. bankrupt, houses being sold, companies collapsing. No. You know, us in a terrible state. Apart from that, nothing, Toby. Nothing, nothing really she needs to be around for. Um, but but will but will this will this um, it's, I mean, danger her position within the party? I mean. If she, if she has, has she had the clearance to do so, that, because those, those, that will affect, of course, her standing, and people might be rather cross if she's just legged it without getting clearance first. And I mean, I, I, you have to, you have to ask her whether or not she, she's gone through all the, the, the hoops in order to ensure that four weeks of her time as a, as a public servant is best spent in the jungle, 
hanging out with someone off of Made in Chelsea. <laughs> Toby L, TV critic, thank you very much for that. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey is in Ampthill uh, this morning, uh, getting your reaction. Morning, Justin. Oh, how funny was Toby? Yes, I'm... He uh, was good, wasn't he? He was fantastic. I'm live in Ampthill. I'm in the Waitrose car park. Uh, lots of reaction coming in. Take a listen to this. Now, Mark, you're absolutely disgusted by this, aren't you? I am. It is bad that we're paying for to actually be on television, and it's at our expense. Mm. I mean, is she a celebrity anyway? No. <laughs> Not even a Z-lister? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this morning, a lot of people are talking about this locally. Your views are quite extreme. You're not happy at all. You think this is totally wrong. Uh, are other people with you on this, or, or are you a one-off? Um, I think a lot of people are actually saying the same thing, that it is wrong. So you've actually lost respect for her now? Yeah. Definitely. Fascinating. That was uh, Mark. I spoke to a lady a moment ago, and she just laughed in my face with this story. Um, somebody else was saying to me, why, why, why? Um, certainly so far this morning, in the reaction in Amptill hasn't been great for Nadine Doris, but of course, that could change throughout the morning. People are saying, comments are saying, listen, Nadine, you're not a celebrity. You're an MP. Get back and do your job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we spoke to Danielle earlier on this morning. Uh, she's a massive fan of the TV show I'm a Celebrity. She watches it every single year with her mum. And she was saying she's not even a Z-lister. Sometimes they put people on there who are Z-list celebrities. But at least you may have seen them on the odd TV show, the odd magazine. I have never seen this lady before in my life. And for me, it's a major turn-off as a fan of the TV show. Justin Daly, thank you. Uh, Justin, are you, are you sticking around in Amptill? Yes, I'll be here till nine o'clock this morning. So I'm in the, the Waitrose car park. Uh, if you're local, if you've got a view, come and see me. Go and, go and find Justin and, and, and have a word with him and get your say. Uh, on the radio. What do you think, dear listener, particularly if she's your MP, okay? Imagine your MP disappears for a month to go on a, on a reality TV programme. She'll be getting quite a bit of, uh, of cash. It, it says in the paper, 40 grand. Shall I tell you what I was sort of being offered? Shall I? I turned it down. £80,000. Yeah, I know. No, and I didn't turn it down because it was like, is that all they're going to pay me? Listen, I would have jumped to the chance of that. Would have paid off a nice chunk of the mortgage. Would have bought some nice stuff for the kids. Would have jumped at it. it I, I just didn't... It was too close to a baby being born. And I just kind of don't... I don't really do those things where I'm under that much scrutiny. I did Come Dine With Me, the show where, uh, you know, you go and cook meals in people's houses. And that was enough for me. And I've done things like Mastermind and, and uh, the Ready Steady Cook and, and nonsense like that. But you don't get any script. But I, 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 it, it's a different world. Never say never. Hey, listen, you, you know, if I haven't worked for a year and things are a bit tight and I couldn't pay the mortgage, then yeah, of course I'd do it. Of course I would. You'd be ridiculous not to do it. But um, I turned it down. Do you think it's appropriate for an MP, a serving MP, and we, we don't know 100%. It's, it's looking likely she is, but we don't know 100%. Do you think it's appropriate for a, a, a serving MP to go on I'm a Celebrity. 08459 555 555. Uh, Sue in Luton has uh, emailed, I think that Nadine Dorries should not go into I'm a Celeb despite the charitable value. This is because she's being paid to work as an MP and will miss about four weeks. Uh, what charitable value, by the way? Uh, she can uh, not be serving her constituents. If she goes, she should be sacked as an MP by her party. She should also be docked her pay for the time out as she is not doing her job and it's not a holiday. Of course MPs don't get long holidays like teachers, do they? Uh, and then uh, Sue has listed the MPs' holidays, and, yeah, it's quite excessive. 08459 555. Do you think it's appropriate 
for a serving MP to take four weeks off to go and stay in the jungle with a load of celebrities and has-beens. Once she gets booted out, she'll be staying in a six-star Versace hotel. Yeah, I know, six-star. I don't know how that works, but it is. Appropriate? Maybe we're being a bit harsh. Maybe think, well, yeah, why not? She'll raise the profile of mid-beds. It can only work in the favour of the people she represents. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do give us a call this morning about any of the things you hear. Oh, come on, men, useless men. I'm speaking to here. Embrace being useless. There's no, there's no, there's no shame in it. We, we, too long have we hidden in the shadows, afraid to admit that we can't use a drill. I don't know what how to do a spirit level. Hanging two pictures at the same level on a wall. You are joking. I've got to, today I have to put oil in my car. I haven't got a clue. I literally haven't got a clue. If you're a useless man, stand tall, stand proud. Give me a call. 08459 455 555 and say, yes, Ian, I am a useless man and I'm proud of it. Let's do this together, brothers. We can. You can text as well if you're shy. 81333. Starting your text, 3CR. Now, a convicted murderer is beginning a second life sentence for the murder of a retired colonel on the doorstep of his home in the village of Phoenix Pelham in Hertfordshire. 33-year-old Christopher Doherty Punchin shot 83-year-old Robert Wy- uh, Riley Workman in cold blood with a sawn-off shotgun almost nine years ago. Within a year, he also shot and killed traveller Fred Moss and was convicted in 2006 of his murder. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, looks back at the case of the killing of the colonel. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello. The ambulance service. What's the address you want the ambulance to come to? It's Harry has cut it. And what road is it on? It's the causeway. In what town? That's Phoenix Pelham. That's near Bantingside. The moment the emergency services were first alerted to the murder of Colonel Robert Riley Workman, described as a perfect gentleman, almost nine years ago. The call was made in the early hours from a phone box in the nearby village of Brothing. Still, to this day, no one knows who made the call. Just one of the many mysteries of this murder, which has been described as something out of an Agatha Christie novel. The colonel's carer, Josette Swanson, was the first person to find him dead one fateful morning in January 2004 in the quiet village of Fernux Pelham. So I came in that way and I looked and it was like Piccadilly Circus. The lights were all on and I knew that something different completely... And as I drove my little jeep, I just saw his foot's leg on the doorstep. And I ran, and there I could see he'd been dead for hours. I'm not quite sure whether I grabbed a duvet and covered him over or what I did. I sort of danced around in shock, really. At first, it was thought he'd died of natural causes, as there was no visible injuries. But it turned out he'd been shot by Christopher Doherty Punchin, then known as Nuds, using a sawn-off shotgun. No one knows why the former pest controller killed the colonel on his doorstep. Theories include it was a hit job done for money and the colonel had threatened to expose him for criminal activity he was involved in. The only known contact between the two men had been when the accused had worked for the colonel on a wasp's nest a few months previously.
The Crown Prosecution Service says it's not uncommon to bring murder cases which have no apparent motive. But as far as the police are concerned, they were convinced that Doherty Punchin was responsible after another murder he committed. It's thought Fred Moss was killed at the end of 2004 because he knew too much about the Colonel's murder. Detective Superintendent Bill Jefferson is from Hart Police. I think we need to look at the fact that he is a convicted murderer and uh, that conviction, the body has never been recovered so the family have never been able to put to rest Fred Moss uh, and it's only someone that's cold and calculated that, that would do that. Something else which has never been recovered is the shotgun used to kill the colonel. Doherty Punchin's uncle claims to have discovered a sawn-off shotgun in his nephew's Range Rover, but it wasn't seen again. The case against Doherty Punchin rested on the evidence of former cellmates, whom he confessed to about killing the colonel whilst he was in prison for the murder of Fred Moss. It may have taken almost nine years, but we now know who killed the colonel. What we don't know is why. Fascinating story, and we've, we've been following it here closely at Three Counties. Joining us now is Detective Superintendent Bill Jefferson from Hertfordshire Police. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Very difficult case. Nine years on, Doherty Punchin has been found guilty. Why did it take so long to convict him? This is a, a, an investigation where there was, there was no real golden nugget of a lead in, in those initial stages. Investigations uh, obviously were carried out in 2004, but there was nothing conclusive at the time. He was a suspect in 2004, but there was never enough evidence to bring about a charge. And we just kept reviewing the evidence over time, looking for new lines of inquiry, and eventually we, we got further evidence that allowed us to go to the Crown Prosecution Service. So many theories as to why he killed the Colonel. What, what are, are the main theories? There was no real motive proved in, in court, as the judge said in his uh, sentencing remarks. And I think it's difficult to hypothesise. Mm. Doherty Punchin knows why he killed the colonel, and he could tell us, or he could take that secret with him to his grave. And he's not, he's not talking about it, he's not saying anything? He's not saying anything to us, no. He also killed uh, Fred Moss, uh, traveller Fred Moss, within 12 months of killing the colonel. Do we know why Fred Moss was killed? Again, uh, no motive proved. There is a suggestion he killed Fred because Fred knew too much about the colonel's murder. And again, there was evidence in relation to that during the course of our trial. Uh, but again, Dr. Punchin knows why he committed both these murders. Uh, Doherty Punchin, he's very clever. The fr Fred Moss's body never found. The shotgun used to kill the colonel was never found. He, he knew how to cover his tracks, didn't he? You can say that, but he has now been convicted mm. of the murders, so he's only covered his tracks so far. Uh, and the judge described Doherty Punchin as an exceptionally dangerous man who may never be released. I'm, I'm, I would assume you agree with that. I, I do agree. If you look at the, the facts of this, he's killed two men in cold blood, one of the vulnerable 83-year-old colonel on his doorstep with a sonar shotgun. He is a dangerous man, yes. Well, well, congratulations on seeing this through to the end. Congratulations probably the wrong word, but well done for seeing this through to the end. And, and, and justice has been, been served at last. Detective Superintendent Bill Jefferson uh, from Hertfordshire Police, thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm getting worried about this car thing again now. Scott Balcony has tweeted, 
I think my car needs needs oil. The, the Aladdin's lamp, it turns out, is an indicator that perhaps the car is a little bit low on oil. Scott Balcony has tweeted, If you can work out which oil you need for your car, you're a better man than me. It's a minefield. I just buy the nicest colour. You're joking. There are different types of oil? Surely it's just the black stuff I need. Is that not right? I just need the black oil? Oh, God. And then someone... I'm getting so worried about this. Then someone has posted on my Facebook page. Um, oh, the light's been on a week. How many miles you've been travelling whilst that's been on? Serious damage alert. Seize pistons, turbos, braking, etc. Get oil ASAP. Oh, God. <laughs> Back in the day, when I did used to be on telly, and I earned telly money, and let's just say telly money, it was a bit better than the radio money. I would have, uh, if a light like that had come on, I would have traded that car in and bought a new one. Yeah, I would have done. I would have done. That's how useless I am. Can't do that now. I need, I need to get this sorted. I need to get it sorted today. Nadine Doris, MP for Midbeds, possibly rumoured to be going into the jungle. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. If you've not seen it, it's a hideous programme that's f- wonderful to watch. It's people you've almost heard of doing horrible things and eating wallabies, willies and things like that. Nadine Doris, serving MP could be going in. Is that appropriate? Do you think that's right? 08459 four double five five double five. Andrew's in Luton. Andrew, what do you think? I think it's wrong. <coughs> Why? Because she's, if she's a politician, she's a politician. What's she want to go in the jungle for? She could argue she's going in the jungle to raise awareness of Mid-Bedfordshire, the area that she serves, yeah. uh, and that she's going to be doing good for that area, her constituency. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, and what would, you, what would your response be to that? My response would be she can do good for her constituency in her constituency. She's gonna, she is going to miss uh, a couple of important uh, debates. Well, there you go. If they're important debates, why is she wanting to go to the jungle? Andrew, if, if, if she were listening to this now, and she may well be in Australia, who knows, with yeah. the interweb and stuff, yeah. what would you say to Nadine Doris? I'd say, Nadine Doris, please don't go over there, do your stuff over here, or else, or else get out of politics. If you want to be a celebrity, go into television, radio, whatever. But if you're going to be a politician, be a politician. Andrew Luton, thank you very much indeed. What do you think? Do you agree? Strong words there. He's furious. He's furious, isn't he? Do, do you think it's appropriate for a serving MP, Nadine Dorries, to go in the jungle and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here? 08459 455 555. Uh, we were talking about this in the office, and it has been suggested that she is aware that perhaps her um, political career is possibly coming to an end. You know, th- th- they only have a limited shelf life. Um, and she is looking for things to do after it. She's doing that Lembit Opic thing of setting up her career afterwards. Lembit Opic, who w- was on Come Dine With Me, actually, is, um, he's a plum, let's be honest, but he's, he's doing very well out of being a plum. He's been in the jungle, he does all these reality shows, all these kind of things, and he has set himself up with a very nice career of, of being kind of the, the country's jester. Thank you very much. And he makes a few quid out of it. Gets hot girlfriends, makes a few quid, does very well. Isn't she allowed to set herself up with some kind of alternative career for when this MP gravy train falls off of the tracks? Don't, doesn't a little bit of you admire her for saying, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bunk off work for a month, I'm going to go and get a few quid, and I'm going to go and hang out with Eric Bristow, the crafty cockney. 08459 455 555. Talking as well this morning about um, useless men. I'm a useless man, I admit it. Thank you very much. Uh, George Shepherd from Wing. 
Why should all men be good at fixing cars and putting up shelves? It would be boring. Men who can't do DIY can have other good qualities. George Shepard. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Dave the Thatch. I can work on cars and motorbikes. Work on gliders and airplanes. Do DIY and thatch roofs. I've also written for articles. I've also written articles for magazines, but I cannot spell. Well, Dave, reading that text, I can guarantee you cannot spell. Oh, Vic says... This is because I was um, the, my car had frost on this morning, and instead of finding a scraper, I haven't got one. I wasn't going to use any of my CD cases. Get real. Uh, I sat in the car for ten minutes at four, uh, half past four this morning. Vic is not happy with this. Glad I don't live next door to you. Half four in the morning with your car engine running for ten minutes, you'd be really popular around here. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. We're moving soon, so it doesn't matter. I can do what I want. April Harper has tweeted me. This isn't right. Ian, you numpty. Oil isn't black. Black oil is dirty and needs changing. Oil is golden. No, it's not. No, it's not. My producer's nodding. No, it's not. Oil is black. Right, can someone phone up? I want a mechanic to phone up and tell me what colour oil is. We'll speak to you after the news with Catherine. That's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Catherine, you are the news. Oh, don't say that. No, you are. Now, tell my listeners, what colour is oil? It's golden. Oh, for goodness sakes. Beds, hearts and barks. What is this? Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's black. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm not that useless. Oil is black. 08459 455 555. Lots uh, for you to get involved with. Coming up in the next half an hour, uh, Americans go to the polls today. Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been finding out whether you care. Uh, And a Bucks loan shark lent over £3,000 a month to his colleagues. You can find out what happened to him. 08459 455 555. As you just heard, Americans are going to the polls today to decide who should be their next president. The two contenders for the White House, Democrat Barack Obama and Republican Mitt Romney, are still neck and neck in the polls, although I think Barack is just kind of edging ahead. But do you care who wins? Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been finding out whether people in the three counties care about who the next president is. I do care that they have someone to help the economy. And who do you think is the person then that should win who can do that? Barack Obama, definitely. I want him come back in again another term because he's done so well with the health care. I hope then it's going to be someone else than Barack Obama. It makes no difference to me whatsoever, if I'm honest with you. I think, you know, I look at it on the news, I think the BBC wastes too much time on it. It just seems like an enormous waste of money out there for me, and it makes no difference to my life. Do you have a preference who you'd rather win? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm not political in any way, shape or form, not even with the UK. I couldn't care less, to be honest. Why not, then? Why don't you care? No, because nothing was really, is it? I don't think be fuss about it. Yes, I do care. I think it's very important because uh, we can't deny the fact that America is a world leader, that we tend to follow America and we tend to take on a lot of the policies that American politicians introduce for their own country. How closely have you been following the election, uh, Very then? closely. I've been following it very closely. I have to say, I do have a slight interest. I do have an apartment over there, so I go there quite a lot. Yeah, I think I would like um, yeah. Obama, Obama, really. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some idea about him, haven't we? If I were a millionaire, I'd be voting for the other bloke. <laughs> do you care who the next president is? Yes. Probably more confidence in uh, Obama. So you would rather he win? I would really, honestly, yeah. Some people have been saying that they don't really feel like it, ma- it should matter to us mm. here in, in the area we live in because it doesn't have any impact. Oh, it does have impact, obviously. 
what happens in the US economy happens to our economy as well. It's a bit of a narrow mind to think about that. So we should care who the next president is. Absolutely we should care, yeah. It's vitally important. That's our reporter Jessica Cooper getting the word on the street. Nicholas Hunt McQuaid is an American who's lived in England for 12 years in St Albans and now Milton Keynes. He joins me now. Good morning, Nicholas. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Which way do you think this is going to go? Well, I can't see Barack Obama losing. Really? Is it, it, it's pretty definite, is it? Well, you know, I think the incumbent has a, a, a bit of security going into the final day that if he's even in the polls, people are going to vote for the evil they know instead of the evil they don't. I think that, that uh, one bookies over here in the UK has actually started paying out on people who bet on Barack Obama. So they seem pretty determined that he's, he's going to win it. Well, that's pretty bold. How, Nicholas, how, why, what are you doing over here? How did you end up in the three counties? <laughs> well, I, I came here about 12 years ago and bought a pub and then did that for a bunch of years. And, and now I'm just sort of uh, working for a, a maintenance company in Milton Keynes. Whereabouts are you from in the States? Uh, San Diego, California, right oh. down on the Mexican border. Oh, it's nice down yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah, Come on, man, listen, Nicholas. San, San Diego versus Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes is great, but San yeah. Diego every time, surely. Well, you know, I got healthcare in Milton Keynes. Oh, <laughs> okay, that, that, that's it. You're just over here using our blooming NHS, are you? Unbelievable. Absolutely, just like everybody else. Why, Nicholas? Why should we care? Uh, d- does it really matter uh, t- to us in the three counties who is president of the U.S.? Um, ultimately, I'd probably say no. But the old adage that you know America coughs and the world catches a cold could still be true. Uh, I, I think it is important. Uh, again, sometimes what happens in America does trickle over here, and it's also good TV watching for everybody because that's all it is at the moment. And are you allowed to vote? Are you still an American citizen? Yeah, I'm registered to vote as sort of like an expatriate. So I vote in the state of Nevada, which is a swing state. So I, I voted a, about four or five days ago, absentee ballot. And am I so al- I'm hoping my vote will count. Am I allowed to ask who you voted for? I voted for Mitt Romney. Okay, and, and why did you go for him in particular? Well, um, I've had four years of Barack Obama, and that was fun. Now let's get down to business. Uh, we got a, a, a business candidate f- who isn't a true politician, born raised politician like Barack Obama. Mm. He's got a track record of great business. Um, let's get people some jobs. Let's get things sorted out. Let's get people's homes back. You know, let's let's do what America's good at. All the values I love about America are in Mitt Romney. So you you think that uh, Mitt Romney it would is is better suited to kind of getting people back to work, helping small businesses and things like that. Absolutely. There are some people, Nicholas, who would argue that his attitude towards women isn't pa- particularly healthy. Okay, um, that's kind of funny coming from people who battered a woman four years ago during the election. Hey, I didn't do that. Who are you? No. Well. You know, America proved itself to be far more sexist than it was racist four years ago. Okay. And you mean, you mean metaphorically battered as opposed to literally battered, of course. I should just... Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, metaphor, that, of sorry. Course. Of course. Uh, uh, whoever becomes president, president, are we really going to notice any difference? No. That's the thing, isn't it? It's <laughs> that's a good answer. That's the thing, isn't it? We, it? There's not really a lot they can do because of the great machine of American politics and the way it works. There's very little they can do, isn't there? Yeah, exactly right. I, I was I was saying earlier to to uh, to your reporter that um, the Congress, the state Senate, the the assembly people of each state and governor have far more local power. I mean, if you want your street sign fixed outside your house, the president is not going to make a difference for you. And a lot of people do vote locally, and the mm. presidency is just a figurehead who sh- shakes hands, kisses babies. It's a bobblehead. Nick, uh, a bubblehead, I'm going to use that. Thank you very much. Nicholas Hunt McQuaid is an American, lived in England for 12 years. Thank you very much for that. Across beds, hearts, and barks, this you bubblehead. is Ian Lee on BBC like Three Counties Radio. Am I saying something rude? You bubblehead. Nicholas sounds like the kind of guy that could change oil in the car. I wonder if he's free after the show.
08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call. Now, have a listen to this. Just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a jackdaw withal. Benedict laughs with an air of uncertainty. You have no stomach, senor. He sucks in his stomach with a sheepish grin. There you are. It's good, though, isn't it? It's an example of an audio description of Much Ado About Nothing at the National Theatre. Now, if you are visually impaired uh, and go to the theatre, you might use audio description to help tell you what's happening on stage. Earlier on, I spoke to Louise Fryer. She works as an audio describer. It has to be live because actors sometimes forget their words or they do different business than they've done the night before. I suppose the they do, of course, yes. Is that you have to nip in and out of the dialogue so you don't want to talk over the dialogue at all. How much prep do you do? Do you, do you go to rehearsals and, and, and have a little look at what's going on? It depends on the production, but not normally to a rehearsal because the timing isn't fixed by then. Mm. So I'd go and see it in the theatre once. We usually are able to take away a rather poor quality, grainy DVD, which at least allows you to, to test out little bits of script and work out where they can fit within the gaps that are currently available. Then I'll go and see it again in-house and try that out and see if the timing has changed and then do the described performance. And so how does it work? Do you, do you, do you sit at the back or have you got a little box and you've got a, a, a little mic going, the uh, lead character is now picking up the knife and is thrusting it. Is it that kind? Is that how it works? It depends on the theatre and what facilities they have. Right. So at somewhere like the National Theatre, you'll sit in the director's box, which has a very good view of oh, the stage. fantastic, But yes. it's behind glass, so the audience can't hear you. Right. But your blind and partially sighted audience will be listening on a headset. I surprised myself there. I hadn't heard me doing that little audio description thing. I'm quite good. Theatres. Theatres, I'll come and do it. Free tickets and, uh, and some food. I'll be there. Well, a man from Milton Keynes says more should be done to help blind people who want to go to the theatre. John Richards, who has a visual impairment, says theatres like Milton Keynes should put on more audio-described shows, which would allow theatre lovers like him to go and see a show more often. Our reporter, Toby Friedner, has been speaking to John to find out more. I've been living in Milton Keynes for something like 20 years, and I was quite thrilled when the theatre was constructed... But um, because audio description, uh, which is a system whereby somebody sits at the back of the theatre with a microphone, um, actually telling visually impaired people through a headset what's happening in the quiet bits, what the costumes are like, and various other bits about the performance, uh, that helps me because I get to get a better knowledge of what's going on on stage and my wife has a break because she doesn't have to keep telling me these things but unfortunately it costs to have this um, commentator at the back the theatre sees that as an extra cost and maybe one that they're not prepared to do all, all the time so how often do they do it uh it, as far as i'm concerned about every six months in milton Keynes, we are going to um an Andrew Lloyd Webber show on the 13th of November. Um, but that's the only audio-described showing, is it, of that yes, show? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the first one we've had, you know, since, uh, well, in, in their current brochure. So that's uh, since about July, I should think. Uh, and obviously you miss out then, don't you? You can't get to see the shows, perhaps, that you might want to see at your local theatre. Well, that's right. Um, Northampton Royal Theatre... Um, they have a system where two volunteers do the audio description every fortnight. So finally, what would you like to see Milton Keynes Theatre do? Well, I think every show that they're presenting should have one night that is audio described. 
um, whether that be a weekly night or a Saturday. Maybe a Saturday is wrong because um, you'd have more of an audience. Uh, but just one out of every um, show would be great. Well, later on we'll hear from Milton Keynes Theatre about their audio description service. What do you think? Is it necessary? <laughs> Of course we want to get as many people into the theatre as we can, and of course blind people should be uh, 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 able and, and should be made to feel welcome in the theatre. But really, is it that necessary? It's expensive. Can theatres really afford to do that for what is going to be a very small, very small audience? I wonder how many... OK, you know, when you do phone-ins and things like that, you normally throw out to the widest possible demographic and, and, and see who you can get. I'm, I'm going to speak to a very specific group here. Are you blind or visually impaired... Are you put off going to the theatre because uh, there, there isn't enough audio description? If there were more audio description, would you go? 08459 455 555. Or as a regular theatre-goer who can see properly, do you worry that things like this might push up your, your, your tickets? Going to the theatre is well expensive anyway, isn't it? Do you worry that something like this is an unnecessary cost that you would end up paying for when it's going to help what? Two people? Three people? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Um, very quickly, a tweet. What colour is oil? Carpet Martin. Of course oil is black. That's why they call it black gold. You see? You see? Yeah. We got me angry yesterday, Jonathan, with his ridiculous question. Are you an idiot if you let off fireworks in your back garden? I was lying in bed last night, uh, and I couldn't sleep because of the fireworks, but I thoroughly enjoyed the sound. It was romantic... It was exciting. It reminded me of being a kid, full of mystery and wonder. And I couldn't sleep, and I didn't care. I thought, this is wonderful. Wonderful. I noticed a lot of the uh, Three Counties staff were tweeting uh, Jonathan pictures of the firework displays they were at, saying, am I, am I an idiot, Jonathan? Am I an idiot? Let's, let's just hope, let's just hope he was having an off day with his loaded, unfair, bigoted question, and that today's question is something a little bit nicer. <laughs> that I agree with. That's what I'm hoping for. Jonathan, if you're listening, a nice question today, please, that I agree with. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, texts and emails uh, about Nadine Doris, Midbeds MP, possibly, probably, looking quite likely, she's going to be on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. That means she'll be in Australia for a month, in the jungle for a few weeks. When she gets booted out, she'll stay in a six-star hotel, Versace Hotel. Uh, on the emails, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. If someone does not turn up for work and takes four weeks off, they would be sacked. So, if it's true that Dorries is going in the jungle, then she should be sacked. What benefit is she doing for the people who are elected her? I say none. Um, uh, Karen from Letting Buzzer says, Nadine Dorries, MP, is making a bad move. Don't know if that's the same email. Uh, Dave says, Ian, Dorries, No! Looks like another Bedfordshire MP doesn't want to do her job and sit in Parliament. And on the text, Ruth and Biggleswade, 81333, starting her text, 3CR. If Nadine Doris is going into the jungle to raise awareness for mid-beds, can local charities look forward to receiving a decent share of the fee she'll receive? Be interesting, wouldn't it? 08459 455 555. And gentlemen, you're being a little bit shy to admit you're useless. We're having a few on the text and a few on the Facebook uh, and on the, uh, the Twitter. But come on. One of you, phone up. Be brave. You can change your name if you want. Come on the air and say, yes, Ian, I am a useless man. I can't change the oil in my car. I can't. I've learned how to pump up a tyre. I can do that. Just. It, the, the machine kind of does it pretty much for you. But phone up, say, I can't, I can't 
put oil in the car. I can't decorate. I can't hang a picture. I am a useless man. Come on, brothers. Let's celebrate this together. 08459 555. Now, a Buckinghamshire loan shark who lent over £3,000 a month to his work colleagues has received a 12-month suspended prison sentence. 57-year-old Keith White from Aylesbury must also complete 250 hours of unpaid work and pay £9,000 in costs following the hearing at Aylesbury Crown Court yesterday. David Pickering is from Buckinghamshire County Council Trading Standards. He joins us now. Good morning, David. Good morning. How much pressure do some of these loan sharks put on people to get their money back? Well, I think it can vary on the situation, and often the pressure that is put on people is really around the idea of friendship or doing people a favour. So, as well as the, I guess, more stereotypical threatening people, there can also be this idea that actually I'm your friend, so don't actually do anything about it. I, I would imagine that, that, particularly with Christmas coming and, you know, people losing their jobs, tough economic times, I believe is the phrase, loan sharks are becoming, um, the, the popular is probably the wrong word, but used more often. Well, I think sometimes people, for whatever reason, find it really difficult to get money when they need it from maybe the more traditional uh, sources of, of loans. So, yeah, sometimes it can seem like quite a, an easy and at the time attractive prospect. But, I mean, our advice would be, if you do need money, Try going to a credit union. We've got them in Buckinghamshire, and they're a far more reliable, trustworthy source than maybe a friend of a friend or a word-of-mouth acquaintance who you don't really know and isn't really controlled by the existing legislation. Where do loan sharks get their business from? Because they can't advertise in the yellow pages. So how, how does it work? Well, I think it can vary. I mean, sometimes they will kind of put leaflets through doors, but often as not, it is this idea of word of mouth or an acquaintance or it's a friend of a friend who knows you know, they can help people out and often it is people who they've given loans to already that will maybe be talking to a friend and say, well, yeah, I know this person who can help you out. So it's quite um, hidden in that sense and that's why it can be difficult to encourage people to speak out about well, it. Well, I was going to say, how difficult is it for, for trading standards and the police and other organisations to, to find these people? Because I would imagine there is a, a lot of secrecy surrounding them, isn't there? Well, I think that's one of the problems, that often people, for whatever reason, don't feel able to tell their family or friends that they borrowed some money, especially coming up to Christmas, if they feel maybe embarrassed about the fact that they've had to go to these people for money. So it is difficult, but what we would say is that if, you know, you know someone or it's a family or friend situation where they're thinking, well, you know, I wonder where that money's come from, and it can be difficult for the person who's taken the loan to speak out. So sometimes it's information, and often information, even if we can't do anything directly about the situation, any information that we can get about how they're operating, where they're operating, who they're lending to, can be really useful to help us build up that picture, because it is really difficult for us. Because of the nature of the situation, it is quite a secretive issue, really. Do we have any idea on the scale of the problem? Are there a lot of people out there lending money illegally? Well, I think one of the difficulties is that we do have problems about gauging the scale of it because people, you know, as we said, by its nature, people do really not want to talk about it because for whatever reason they'll sort of feel, well, I, I feel kind of that I shouldn't have got into this situation and I just need to keep it secret. So there is a level of it out there and I guess it will get worse due to the economic situation, but it's very difficult to put an exact figure on it. David, thank you very much. David Pickering from uh, Bucks County Council Trading Standards. Well, getting into debt, it can happen to anyone. Liz is in Bourne End. Uh, she joins us now. Morning, Liz. Hello. You and your husband got yourselves into debt. Tell us what happened. 
Um, well, basically, he had his own business, which he ran for years, and then in the recession, um, it was losing money, and we took out loans and credit card debts to keep it propped up because he was employing four people. Unfortunately, it did go down, and um, about three months later, I lost my job. Wow. That must have been uh, pretty terrible. How did you feel when all this well, was we going were, on? we were devastated, absolutely devastated by it, and um, we... <laughs> We took a long time to get back on our feet, and certainly, I think, in this situation, we possibly might have used the loan shark. Did you consider it at, at any no, point? No, because I don't think we even... We were so embarrassed and upset and ashamed at the position we found ourselves in, and sometimes we were desperate for money, and I think if I'd have known where to find one, mm. uh, we might have turned to one. and. You know, there's obviously a call for this when the banks won't lend you money and um, other people won't lend you money. Um, you, you're you desperate, and when you're in that situation, you'll go uh, somewhere where, you know, that maybe you can get money from. Can I ask how much debt you were in, Liz? Well, if you took off the mortgage, we owed about £50,000, but we did remortgage the house as well, so the whole lot, I suppose, together was about £250,000. You must have been really desperate. We were desperate at one time. We, um, you know, your whole life changed. Um, we, we didn't eat meat. We couldn't go out. We didn't have any petrol in the car. Uh, and we did consider suicide at one point. Um, but, um, you know, we've come through it now, hopefully. Liz, uh, really, you, you were so depressed by the whole thing that you and your husband talked about suicide? Yes. Um, your, your, your whole life changed. When you can't, you can't go out and you can't afford uh, meat and you, you don't see your friends anymore because you're ashamed and embarrassed, you know, your marriage starts to break up because you start arguing and blaming each other and, um, you know, the whole situation spiral, spirals down. And your debt usually, I mean, at that point, the debt was still going up with interest and penal charges and everything else. Um, it just sort of the situation totally seemed to be out of control. Things are better now? Yes, we've, um, uh, we've uh, turned our lives around. My husband tried for about a year to get a job in management, and he didn't even get hardly any interviews. He's over 60, and he's um, got chronic kidney failure. Um, but now he's um, got a job driving a taxi. He's um, employed by a company, and um, I've started up my own business. And what do you do, Liz? I do doggy daycare and doggy boarding. Fantastic. There you go, <laughs> you see. Wonderful. I do it from home, and I take in two dogs at a time, and I, I walk dogs, I feed cats, and it, it involved absolutely no outrage to me whatsoever. Mm. Um, and I'm fully booked up, and I have been uh, for about eight months oh, now. Good and for I've you. got bookings for January, March, and August. And have you paid off the debt, Liz, or are you still paying no, off? The... we are paying it off. There's it light at the end of the tunnel, though. Yes, we have no our mortgage. We've got a mortgage arrears, but we're now paying the full mortgage, Brilliant. and um, we are also now paying um, uh, monthly towards our debt. And we work. Can I help? Say we were helped by a um, uh, a debt advisory service, a mm. free debt advisory service. And can I say its name? Yeah, why, why not? Go on. It's um, Consumer Credit Counselling Service. Liz, listen. Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty, and I'm I'm really pleased to hear that things are are going in the right direction. Thank you, Liz. Wow. What a story. There you go. Good news. We found Lembit Opic. He'll be on after eight. Here's the, tra- here's the news now with Catherine Boyle.
listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Always a little bit too enthusiastic there. I'll bring it back a bit. It's, it's still only Tuesday. Let's, well, let's not peak too early in the week, for goodness sakes. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS at nine, including... I know you're going to have something to say about this. Mid-Beds MP Nadine Dorries is set to go into the jungle, according to reports. Is it appropriate for an MP to go on a reality TV show like I'm a Celebrity? We'll be speaking to former MP Lembert Opic to find out what he thinks. He was on I'm a Celebrity in 2010. Should three counties theatres be putting on more performances for blind people? One chap seems to think so. What do you think? And Americans go to the polls today to vote for their next president. Do you care? We speak to a Hertfordshire woman who's been invited to the American Embassy to see the results coming in tonight. Oh! You can get in touch on email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give us a call, 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. More of your texts coming in about oil. What colour is oil? I'll read those in a few minutes. It, it, it's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious. Now, if you live in med- mid-Bedfordshire, uh, you could be without your MP, Nadine Doris, for up to a month. It's reported that she's in Australia to take part in the reality show I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Ms Doris will be the first serving MP to take part in the programme. As well as uh, risking the anger of those she represents... Uh, for taking extended leave from her day job. She'll also face questions from senior MPs, according to The Sun. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been, in, uh, been out in Amptill to see what you, her constituents, think. Now, Dave, going against most local opinion this morning, you think this is actually a good idea. Tell us why. Well, in, in my opinion, I mean, she's done uh, good for us in the, in the past, in various bits and pieces. Why not, get, why not if you get the chance to do it? Uh, good luck to her. So it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, <laughs> <laughs> It's going to keep her, uh, really, yeah. in the forefront of uh, people finding out and talking about her. Uh, so it's a good thing for me, oh. Bedfordshire. Oh, well, I don't know for Bedfordshire. I'm, t- I'm thinking for her personally. Lee, what's your reaction to this story about Dean Doris? I think it's just a desperate grab for uh, publicity. It's um, <laughs> She's an MP. She doesn't need to go into the celebrity jungle. Yeah. <laughs> So you think by going in the jungle, she's letting down local people here? Uh, I think she's letting down local people. I also think she's letting down the MPs. Not that they need let- any more letting down. Yeah. They've done a good job of that themselves already. Uh, I just think it's um, an error of judgment on her part. OK, she's saying that 16 million people will be watching this TV show and it's a great platform to get some of her stories out there, if you like. Can you see no positives with this at all? No, when's she going to have time to uh, put forward her messages? She's going to be put it through various trials and made to look an idiot. (laughs) You might quite enjoy that. I might, but um, to be fair, I've never watched Celebrity, any of them, to be fair. Uh, It doesn't interest me in the slightest. See, the programme doesn't interest me in the slightest, but I do like it. Every year it's like, I'm not going to watch that rubbish. And then I get sucked in. And I, I was lucky enough to go to Australia last year to be one of the commentators on it. I was in Australia for a week. And there is something very Moorish about that show. Well, Justin Dealey is in Amptill. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I'm with you. I absolutely love this TV it's, show It's a as cracking well. show, isn't it's, it? It's so cheap and nasty, but it's so, so good. I want to see Eric Bristow eating a Wallabies <laughs> Willie. 
<laughs> I do. Fantastic. Um, so so many people in Amstel this morning, Ian, want to have their say about yes. this. And now with Ruth. Ruth, we're looking at the front page of the Daily Mail here. There's your local MP, Nadine Dorries. MP Nadine heads for Celebrity Jungle as a local lady. What's your reaction to that? Well, I suppose the first one's going to be where was she when we needed her for the meeting. But equally, I think she's a bit brave. It's going to be entertaining. And I hope she meant some jam too. I mean, you've been saying before that, that you feel that she's let down local people over this potential lap dancing club. It's been such a, a big talking point here in Amptill. If she's let you down over that, she's going away for four weeks, surely you must feel she's let you down again. It's not a good feeling that it's four weeks, that we're not going to get any action on it. Um, I don't know what else we can do really at this moment. Um, it, it's really, she's being paid. Who's paying her to be out there for four weeks? Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, yes, it is not good that she's going out there for that, especially with something so big going on at the moment. OK. And just lastly as well, uh, both Ian and I, we are fans of the TV show. So are you. As somebody who watches that programme, would you want to watch Nadine Doris? Is she a celebrity? Surely the clue is in the title. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Trade Descriptions Act, maybe, on Celebrity? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Well, some of the comments she said to the Prime Minister, I think a few more people are going to know her. Mm. However, we've seen so many people change over the time they've been in that show. You know, you think, look at them and think, oh, they're little mice, and then suddenly they've come out to be the real hero of the show. Um, or they've been actual big lions, and they've turned out to be right little wimps. It'll be interesting to see what the real Nadine is like yeah. underneath. But also, I want to see us all ringing in and get her to do the tasks. <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. The words there. No. Uh, she seems keen, doesn't she? she? She does seem keen. I think it's going to be quite interesting for local people to watch her. Some people clearly not fans of Nadine Dorries here. So so watching her doing some of those trials, I think they might enjoy it. But lots of reaction, Ian. Come back to me before nine and we'll have plenty more for Just you. Just tell people where you're hanging out, Justin, so they can come find you. We, we're in the centre of Amps. We're going to be back in the Waitrose car park in a few minutes' time. So if you've got a view on this, Head come there. and see me. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, someone uh, who was in the jungle, not for that long, it's former Lib Dem. Lib Dem MP, Lembido. Picky joins you now. Morning, Lembit. Good morning. What do you mean, not for that long? Well, you got 16 booted, days. You got booted out second. No, third, actually, oh, young man. excuse me. Listen, uh, I we... I could do you for that. We, sh we <laughs> should, yes, you probably would. We should uh, de declare an interest. We have worked together on uh, uh, Come Dine With Me. And I beat you on that as well. You know, OK, do you want to know, do you wanna know the... Why, why have you suddenly developed a James Bond villain cackle? Where has that come from? Well, it's shaken, but not stirred. Do you want to know how you beat me on that? Um, only because I couldn't cook. You, you, your cooking was terrible. I gave you a really low score, right, of, of two, because your food was awful. And then I said, oh, can we, can we film that again? Because I don't want to look bad. And I gave you a six. That's still, why uh, you beat me. I still beat you. I still beat <laughs> you, you. Did. I I still beat you Lee. I came I last. I, I came last and I had to pretend I didn't care when inside I'm going, oh, can I just go home now? <laughs> Listen, you were in the jungle. Uh, <laughs> it, it, is it appropriate? You, you were in the jungle when you weren't an MP. Is it appropriate for a serving MP to, to, to take a month to, to go off on a jolly like this? It's not mandatory to do it, but I think that Nadine is completely... If, if she's doing it... Of course, if, yes. It's completely reasonable for her to do it. And I think that it's... Uh, that, that woman there when she said, oh, well, who's paying, who's paying Nadine? Um, actually, it's not the taxpayer. It's, uh, it's the uh, money from advertising from ITV that's paying for it. So, yes. And also, I think that she's quite right. Nadine is, uh, I think, on the side of the angels because she does speak her own mind. And that's a good place to do it. She will be getting paid well, uh, and it will be coming from ITV, but will she still be getting her MP's salary? 
Yes, she will be, and I don't think that, um... That's uh, not appropriate, is it? Oh, come on. Just, just let's, just ease off, then. Hang on a minute, she's gonna get paid for a month's worth of work when she's not there. That's a, Imagine if I took a month off from three counties. I wouldn't get paid, then, bitch. If, if indeed was an invisible MP, we wouldn't be having the conversation. But actually, she works really hard, and that's why we're having the conversation. So, I think that she's entitled to four weeks, uh, or three or four weeks, whatever length of time it takes, um, uh, a little bit of downtime, and... Uh, and get paid for it. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and if your listeners don't agree, then they can call in. But basically, she is basically a, a decent person. Now, you, now you're doing the evil um, Dr. M. Cattle. <laughs> no. I, I was laughing at how you've taken over the show. If your listeners don't agree, they can call in. <laughs> you're you're oh, doing yeah, it for me. <laughs> um, well, I, I want your job. But, uh, I know you, you do, do bit. Jo- hands off. <laughs> hands off this one. All right, fella. Do you, do you think she'll make good TV? She is an outstanding television personality. Mm. One reason that she will be in there is because um, she's characterful. But let, let's recognise that um, I'm a Celebrity gets people in four characters. And, yep. uh, and, and the second thing is that uh, they will basically edit her the way they want her so they, they can make her look great, they make her look bad. It's entirely down to them how they make her look. But um, the thing about Nadine is she is one of those very few politicians who does seem to appeal to the general public. And that's a good reason to have her in. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that. They will, of course, edit it how they want it to. She is saying that it would be a good way of getting her message across. But they won't necessarily show her message, will they? No. That, it's a that, dangerous game to play. Uh, Ian, that's completely true. Basically, you, you do get um, uh, interviewed for a role, and uh, they can make her look bad, they make, can make her look good. Think about it this way. There are about 200 cameras there. You've got 24 hours of coverage, and you've got about 10 or 12 people. So they'll take the two or three minutes that they want uh, to, to use in, in order to make it look good or bad. And that's a risk. I mean, George Galloway paid the price, so he's back in Parliament now. And um, Nadine's not stupid. She probably realises that. And also, who knows what her ambitions are. She probably doesn't expect to be mm. Prime Minister any time soon. But I'll be watching it because she's there. How do you think it will go down with the government, her being in there? Oh, Cameron will be concerned because um, she's an uncontrollable, unguided missile. And in that sense, she could do him good, she could do him bad. Who knows what she's going to say? But the most important thing about Nadine is that uh, she, she says what she thinks and she thinks what she says. So um, depending who else is in the jungle, uh, they have got their own little mini-government in there. And um, if uh, somebody else starts squealing about spiders, she'll say, don't be so soft. Um, they're just like Liberal Democrats. Oh, look at you, a little bit of politics. There, <laughs> I, I see you st- you're still continuing your stand-up comedy career. It says in the papers, 40 grand. She'll be getting more than that, won't she? How much did you get? Um, oh, good, good try, but no cigar. I mean, Come on! I was, off, I was offered 80 last year and I turned it down. Well, obviously I'd do it for twice that. Oh, OK, there we go. <laughs> is, is everything all right? You're well and healthy, are you, Lembit? Um, better than average, you're better than average. Let's go for a pint sometime and compare notes. Of- never never going to happen. Lembit, of, of course, I'm joking, of course, Lembit. Yes, you've got my number. Give us a call. Let's, let's stay in touch. Lembit Opic there, uh, who, who seems to say it's OK for her to go in the jungle and it's still OK for her to claim her MP's salary. Thank you, Lembit. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. We've got a couple of texts on this. If Miss Doris chose, uh, chooses to spend that much time appearing on some tacky show in Australia, she obviously doesn't have any interest in the people that voted her as MP. A bad, bad decision. Only saddos and has-beens watch it or appear in such tripe. Nicky Nitchin. 
I watch it, and I'm probably both of those things. Uh, and Andy says, the job of an MP is not just to represent constituents in Parliament. It also includes communicating the views of constituents to wider audiences and promoting awareness of and debate on key political issues. If appearing on I'm a Celebrity allows Nadine to do this, then all credit to her. It's a shame that the other MPs are not in the same rem- remote part of the world for four weeks where they could do no harm to our country. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Lembit. Thank you, Nick. Radio. He's done the warm-up jiggle, and I'm really, really hoping, Jonathan, that you've put more effort into this than you did yesterday's show. Very I beg poor. your pardon. But four out of ten, I, I gave it. Four out of ten? Yes. The phone lines were ringing off the hook? They were all agreeing with me. The no, they weren't, actually. If you listen to yesterday's programme, the vast majority of people were t- completely agreeing with me. Okay. We had stories of, uh, of dogs weeing on the floor. Oh, for goodness We had sakes. one lady whose dog had uh, defecated everywhere. I know, she kept talking about that a lot. She went into great detail. So you were listening? We, we, only because we have to in the office. <laughs> I left as quickly as I could. I left as quick. I heard the lady playing the cancer card as well, which uh, got you yes. quite, quite angry. Yes, the woman who phoned in and said fireworks are very important for children who've got cancer. I said, oh, that took my breath away. I didn't see that one coming. No, I know. You, you were very angry. But it was, it was a horrible loaded question. Uh, if you let off fireworks, are you an idiot if you let off I fireworks in your back garden? I must remember to come down here and critique your show every morning. Well, you, you, please do. Uh, you'll, you'll find it hard to fault. But uh, you're... <laughs> You're still learning, Jonathan, I want, I want you right, to make the right you're, decisions. You're helping me, are you? I'm hoping... Let me just have a quick look at what you, you're asking today. Yeah, that's good. Go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks that's very that much. Go with, I mean, it's, it's what we've Dear been asking, right. but go with that, yes. Uh, coming up on the big phone in this morning, is it okay for Nadine Dorries to go into the jungle? We are pretty sure. Uh, I know you're being, you're being hesitant. I reckon she's going in. Okay. Without a doubt, she'll okay. be going in that jungle. Okay, you're, you, ma- you're making that... Watch, watch this. He's tapping his nose like yes. he's a spy in the 60s. OK. Uh, when the reality TV show I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here airs on Sunday, the mid-Bedfordshire Tory MP Nadine Doris, she will be in it. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you stealing our topic and making it more definite. <laughs> uh, there's anger from some groups that a serving MP will not be in her constituency, representing those people she's paid to stand up for. Mm. But she's only going in for a month. So, perhaps you think it will be a perfect opportunity for her electorate to get a real insight into their MP. Mm. From nine this morning, I'd love to hear your views. Is it okay for Nadine Dorries to go into the jungle? I'd, I'd invite Nadine to come on the programme, but she never calls me back or agrees to come on my programme. Does she not like you? No. Why? I don't know. Mm. Well, I have one or two ideas. But I can't go into those now. No, please don't. That's good, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, is it okay for Nadine Dorries to go into the jungle from nine on the big phone in... We'll discuss it. Six out of ten. <laughs> I've not even started yet. It could be a winner today. You it, will be, it will be a winner. I'm Thanks. looking forward to it. Everyone's allowed one off. It was a very good show. What are you talking about? I've done stinkers yesterday. It wasn't a stinker. <laughs> We've all done stinkers. <laughs> I may be involved in one right now. No, no. You're doing very well in your own way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Go and put your coat and your scarf on and huddle around that heater. Jonathan Vernon-Smith at nine o'clock. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. Yesterday's question was appalling, but it was a cracking listen. To, it, it's always a good show, and I do thoroughly recommend uh, that you listen to Jonathan at nine o'clock. Call 08459 
John Richards from Milton Keynes is partially cited, and he says there aren't enough audio-described shows at his local theatre. As far as I'm concerned, about every six months in Milton Keynes, we are going to um, an Andrew Lloyd Webber show on the 13th of November. Um, but that's the only audio-described showing, is it, of that yes, show? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the first one we've had, you know, since, uh, well, in, in their current brochure. So that's uh, since about July, I think. Mike Keane is the general manager at Milton Keynes Theatre. Morning, Mike. Hi, good morning. How often do you do audio-described shows? Um, it really varies. Last year we had 11 um, during the course of um, the year. This year... And is that, sorry, is that 11 performances? That's, that's 11 audio-described performances. Okay. In total, we, last year we actually had um, 21 access performances. Right. Because alongside audio-described we have um, sign language performances performances and also caption performances this year we've got we, we've had six audio described performances oh. and as john quite rightly said um phantom is one of them um but we've also had um the royal shakespeare company taming of the shrew dirty dancing sister act legally blonde and also cinderella of course our pantomime this year will also have an audience described performance audio described performance sorry why don't you do it more often mike well, it, it's a difficult one, really, John. There's, there's a number of reasons. One of, uh, sorry, Ian. That's right. <laughs> what, 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 sorry. Don't worry. Um, one of the things is that um, we very much have to work with the producers. Mm. Um, it's got to be very much a partnership. It's got to be very deliverable by them. Um, more often than not, we find that if a performance is running for longer than a week, it's, it's more likely to happen because the audio describer really needs to get to know the, 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 the production inside out. So if it's a two or three week long run, then we can invite them in and they can see the performance on several occasions, really get to know the whole production, and then they can deliver that as an audio describer to those patrons who want to use that facility. How, so, much, how much does it cost, Mike, to, to put on one of these performances? Mm, yeah, an average cost. Um, to do an audience to, 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 to employ an audio describer because it has to be professionally done an average cost is around about 600 pounds wow. but I have to say I, I would haven't said that you know I would just stress that the, the, you know the, the financial side of it is much less of an issue for us mm. I think you know if, if we know that we have an audience for these kinds of events then we're really keen to sort of look at ways in which we can deliver those um, and, and, and one of the problems that we've had I think historically and it's not just Milton Keynes Theatre but generally is that sometimes we'll put these um, audio described performances on and, and often they can be undersubscribed I was going to say what, what's the kind of pick up on this how many people do you get using this it, service it, it really varies I mean I'm relatively new in Milton Keynes, which is a wonderful theatre, but certainly in, in the history of my um, working in theatre live, you know, we, we've had audio-described performances with nobody in the audience. Right. We advertise them, and sometimes, the, the, you know, the take-up is, 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 is actually zero. Um, I think at best we could probably expect between 6 and 12. Um, I think the key here, you know, is, is for us in Milton Keynes to engage with people like John, and we'd really like to invite him to come into the theatre, um, but also to identify um, maybe groups um, within Milton Keynes or the surrounding areas that might be interested in audio-described performances or other access performances and see how we can really maximise, you know, those opportunities. Mike? Yeah? Can I come and do an audio description one night, please? You can indeed. I would, I would totally, I would seriously, and I would do it pretty seriously, I would love to come and do it. Well, do 
absolutely, it would be really interesting to see, and why not, why not? You know, I, I have to say ATG, Ambassador Theatre Group, are really majorly committed yeah. in terms of delivering, you know, a real, uh, an equal access policy and trying to create as many opportunities as we possibly can. Um, so if, you, if you're up for that, then I think that's something we should follow up. I'm genuinely up for it. Listen, Mike, my people will get in touch with your people. And we'll, we'll sort something out. All right. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> good to talk. Thank you. There we go. Fantastic. Mike Keane, General Manager at Milton Keynes Theatre. Let's do that. That'll be good. The actor is walking across the stage now and he's holding a cup of tea. I could do that. I'm genuinely up for that. Okay, we'll make that happen. That'll be fun. Might not be fun for the poor people that are listening to it and they might wish that it hadn't happened, but it, it, it might be fun. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Genuine 999 calls always make me very uncomfortable, and I find they're a little bit spooky. So just, just have a listen to this. This is a genuine 999 call. Hello, caller. Hello. 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 The ambulance service, what's the... That was the moment the emergency services were alerted to the murder of Colonel Robert Riley Workman. The call was made in a phone box in the early hours in the nearby village of uh, Browfing. I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. I've got that wrong. To this day, no one knows who made the call. Colonel's carer, Josette Swanson, was the first person to find him dead in January 2004 in the quiet village of Phoenix Pelham. So I came in that way and I looked and it was like Piccadilly Circus. The lights were all on and I knew that something different completely. And as I drove my little jeep, I just saw his foot, leg on the doorstep. And I ran... And there, I could see he'd been dead for hours. I'm not quite sure whether I grabbed a duvet and covered him over or what I did. I sort of danced around in shock, really. Well, what a horrific uh, thing to find. Earlier on, I spoke to Detective Superintendent Bill Jefferson from Hertfordshire Police. This is an investigation where there was was no real golden nugget of a lead in, in those initial stages. Investigations uh, obviously were carried out in 2004, but there was nothing conclusive at the time. He was a suspect in 2004, but there was never enough evidence to bring about a charge. And we just kept reviewing the evidence over time, looking for new lines of inquiry, and eventually we we got further evidence that allowed us to go to the Crown Prosecution Service. So many theories as to why he killed the Colonel. What, what are, are the main theories? There was no real motive proved in, in court, as the judge said in his uh, sentencing remarks. And I think it's difficult to hypothesise. Mm. Dr. Punton knows why he killed the Colonel, and he could tell us, or he could take that secret with him to his grave. And he's not, he's not talking about it, he's not saying anything. He's not saying anything to us, no. He's very clever. The fr- Fred Moss's body never found. The shotgun used to kill the colonel was never found. He, he knew how to cover his tracks, didn't he? You can say that, but he has now been convicted mm. of some others. So he's only covered his tracks so far. That's uh, Detective Superintendent Bill Jefferson speaking about that case there. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, here until nine o'clock, then Jonathan Vernon-Smith takes over. Coming up in the next half an hour, (coughs) excuse me, 
Americans are deciding who will be their next president. We speak to a Hertfordshire woman who's been invited to the American embassy to see the results come in tonight. And reporter Justin Dealey has spent the morning in Ampthill to find out what you think about uh, Midbed's MP Nadine Dorries going into the jungle. 08459 455 555. Do you think it's a good idea that she's going in? We're still erring on the side of if. JVS is, is definite that it's going to happen. It probably is going to happen. Is it a good idea? We had Lembidopicon, the former Lib Dem MP. Uh, and he's, he's a plumber. He's a really nice bloke. I like Lembid. He's a nice bloke. Uh, and he seemed to think that it was OK she was going in. And it was OK if she still got paid her MP's salary while she was in there. Really? If you took a month off work to go on a jolly in Australia, which you were probably going to get, what, 40, 60 grand for, would you expect to get paid? I don't think so. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Millions of Americans are going to the polls for the presidential elections. With all indications, it's going to go down the, to the wire. That means it's going to be close, I think. Barack Obama is seeking a second term for the Democrats, but he's facing a strong challenge from his Republican rival, Mitt Romney. Both men have spent the last hours of the campaign crisscrossing the crucial swing states. But do you care who wins? Does it have any impact here? Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been finding out whether people in the three counties care who the next president is. I do care that they have someone to help the economy. And who do you think is the person then that should win who can do that? Barack Obama, definitely. I want him come back in again another term because he's done so well with the health care. I hope there's going to be someone else than Barack Obama. It makes no difference to me whatsoever, if I'm honest with you. I think, you know, I look at it on the news, I think the BBC wastes too much time on it. It just seems like an enormous waste of money out there for me, and it makes no difference to my life. Do you have a preference who you'd rather win? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm not political in any way, shape or form, not even with the UK. I couldn't care less, to be honest. Why not, then? Why don't you care? No, because nothing was really, is he? I don't think he'd be fussed about it. Yes, I do care. I think it's very important because uh, we can't deny the fact that America is a world leader, that we tend to follow America and we tend to take on a lot of the policies that American politicians introduce for their own country. How closely have you been following the election, uh, Very then? closely. I've been following it very closely. I have to say, I do have a slight interest. I do have an apartment over there, so I go there quite a lot. Yeah, I think I would like um, yeah. Obama, Obama, really. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some idea about him, haven't we? Well, if I were a millionaire, I'd be voting for the other bloke. Do you care who the next president is? Yes. Probably more confidence in uh, Obama. So you would rather he win? I would really, honestly, yeah. Some people have been saying that they don't really feel like it, ma- it should matter to us mm. here in, in the area we live in because it doesn't have any impact. Oh, it does have impact, obviously. What happens in the US economy happens to our economy as well. It's a bit of a narrow mind to think about that. So we should care who the next president is? Absolutely we should care, yeah. It's vitally important. Jessica Cooper speaking to people out and about. Well, Anne Chappell from Wellin is part of the American Club of Hertfordshire. She's been invited down to the American Embassy to see the results come in tonight. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. That's a bit swanky, isn't it? How did you manage to wangle that invite? Um, Well, I'm one of the wardens and um, am involved in just keeping Americans informed with what's going on you know, in and around London and England. So what will happen at the, at the do tonight? Big flat screen TV, popcorn, hot dogs, that kind of thing, beer? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'll have to find out more when I, and I get there, but it should be exciting. I'm just yeah. not sure that we're going to know much um, before 
the wee hours of the morning, and uh, because it is so tight, it may be uh, actually a couple of days before we know for sure. Some bookies in this country have already started paying out on people who have um, put money on Barack Obama. It's looking more likely that he's going to win, isn't it? Well, I think... um, Right now, maybe that looks that direction, but because of the way the Electoral College works, it could be anybody's game. We may end up in a situation where the winner of the popular vote isn't the winner of the Electoral College, or you know. So that's always something that could happen. We've seen that happen before. Who do you want to win, Anne? Um, I'm actually have voted and uh, am supporting Mitt Romney. Why? Why did you vote for him? Uh, I just think his policies are more in line with what my my thoughts are. I think that, you know, government tends to get too involved. Um, I feel like government should be a good parent where they give you some guidance, but then they, you know, cut the strings and let you carry on, you know, with your life. I mean, you do need to care for one another, but I think um, if you get too much red tape, nobody gets to really have some of the opportunities that I think that are out there. What impact do you think that uh, Hurricane Sandy has had on this election and, and how people will vote? Um, I, I don't know that it's going to make a tremendous amount of difference because it's just so new. Um, I think we'll know better about the way that it's all been handled probably um, maybe a month or two months from now. And, of course, there will be some people that um, will not get as much help as as they actually need, and Mm. we really need to get people out there to help. You know, to really, this is where Americans are best, are just pitching in and helping out one another and not always relying on the government. Cynically, you could say Obama did quite well out of it, because there's lots of shots and footage of him comforting people and, and, you know, and, and being that kind of caring president. Uh, and I think he is a caring person, and I think he did a, you know, he did the right thing being uh, being there. I think now, um, I mean, it was interesting. Mayor Bloomberg didn't want him to come to New York because he just felt, you know, sometimes it does take away from um, the emergency people actually being able to help the people who really need to get involved. On the other hand, I think it's important for him to just understand, uh, which you can see in all the pictures, just how dreadful a situation it is there for those people. Does it matter, Anne, uh, uh, Anne to the, the people in the, the three counties who the president is? Well, yeah, I think uh, heads of all uh, of the leading countries will have an impact. I mean, we we are moving more globally, and, you know, decisions are often made when these groups get together in the group, group of aid or, you know, even with, you know, the various European leaders. And, yes, yeah, so the leaders of nations do impact all of us. Can I just say, Anne, I, I love your accent. Thank you. Isn't it the most delicious accent? <laughs> Wonderful. Thank and thank you very much for coming on. appreciate okay, it. Thank, thank you. There you we go. Much. Anne Chappell from uh, Wellin, part of the American Club of Hertfordshire. I love that accent. And the thing is, if you're British and you go to America, every time it's happened to me, I'm, I'm going to New York in a few weeks, and it will probably happen then, every time you'll be ordering a coffee or something, and I kind of play up the Britishness when I'm over there, kind of speak a little bit better, a little bit posher, and you'll always get someone to say, oh, I just love your accent. Isn't that darling? Every time I've been there. Are you Australian? I get that a lot. <laughs> are you Australian? No, I'm from England. And genuinely, I once had this. No, I'm from England. Oh, my God, do you know the Beatles? <laughs> yes, I do. Paul McCartney is a very, very close friend of mine. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A Buckinghamshire loan shark who lent money to his work colleagues has received a 12-month suspended prison sentence. 57-year-old Keith White from Aylesbury was lending over £3,000 a month, charging £30 interest on every £100 borrowed. Anne Slade is project coordinator for Stevenage Credit Union. She joins us now. Good morning, Anne. Hi there. And we've heard Credit Union mentioned uh, a few times today. What is it? Um, well, just let me first explain that as credit unions all over the world, right. and I believe they're Britain's best-kept secret, um, they're actually sort of financial cooperatives owned and controlled by members, and um, credit unions are all about um, serving people rather than making profits. So it's, it, it's like a bank, but not for profit, is that right? That's right. So it's a community um, loans and savings organisation, and all the profits, if it, um, separate profits get returned to members. And how does it work? Are you funded by the council? We um, started in 1995 as a group of local people who got together and Stevenage Borough Council were keen to get us started. And um, from then on, Stevenage Borough Council have been very supportive to us um, by giving us uh, premises to operate from and also giving us grants as well. So h- how does it work? Y- you lend money to people that um, have been refused by banks? Um, well, actually, credit unions re- for everybody, really. makes sense to join a credit union. Right. We have sort of people from all sort of um, different backgrounds join a credit union. Um... Obviously, there are some people who've sort of excluded from banks and that, and we don't turn people away. Um, but crediting is all about sort of the people becoming lifelong savers. That's our sort of main philosophy, is getting people back into the saving habit. Um, and also, uh, we believe in sort of um, giving people access to affordable credit as well. So, uh, if I join Credit Union, what do I have to do? A credit union, what do I have to do? Well, firstly, you have to... Um, you, when you join as a member, um, you have to sort of show identification like any other bank sort yeah. of thing. Um, and then... As long as you pay £1 in your shares and uh, £2 joining fee, you're a member of the credit union. You know, as long as you sort of live or work in Stevenage. Yeah. That's the main criteria. And then you could give me some money? Uh, no, you... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wish we could. I've jumped the gun a little bit, have I, Anne? I thought so. We, um, you have to... Because I sort of really strongly believe in these lots of saving. We um, sort of tell our people to... Members to save for eight weeks, first of all. Right. To get people into the saving habit. We don't encourage debt. That's one thing we don't do. We try and sort of, like, um, save, save for eight weeks and after that you get a loan. You can have a loan. Our sort of like all credit unions are different. But our credit unions st- stipulate that you've got to um, have sort of certain amount of savings in. So, so say you've got two hundred pounds in your savings, you can have a, um, double that four hundred pound loan. Right. It's basically sort of um, we don't like throwing money at people at the moment. Uh, money is thrown at sort of like you know when you're going to sort of like loan sharks and payday yeah. loans. We believe in sort of educating people about saving, the importance of saving, but also if, you know. Um, that to sort of like to offer them affordable loans that they can pay back at sort of uh, sensible interest in that. We spoke earlier on uh, to uh, a listener, Liz, in Bourne End, uh, who was 50 grand in debt. Mm. And, I mean, she was in a terrible state. She, you know, her and her husband were talking about suicide and all kinds of things. Yeah. She's out of it now and she's working out of it now. What advice would you give to someone like that? Well, first thing I'd say is, um, obviously, we can't give financial advice, but right. we always refer people to the CAB, Citizens Advice Bureau. Right. That's the first thing we do. Um... But what we sort of say to people is that um, the debt, obviously, people sometimes can't afford to save with the credit union because they've got so much debt and everything. Mm. But I think um, it's, you know, sometimes the circumstances change. Um, the debt sort of might be gone away in sort of like you know, a few years' time. So I sort of say start saving with the credit union um, if there's one in their local area and then build up your savings sort of thing and then sort of get back into the saving habit and also, also get back into, um, if they need a loan in the future... 
they can get sort of a, you know, affordable loan with low interest and that, you know. And Slade, thank you very much. Pro- project coordinator for Stevenage Credit Union. Right, so the show's nearly over. Fifteen minutes left. Where's it gone? If you live in mid-Bedfordshire, you could be without your MP, Nadine Dorries, for up to a month. Some of you are cheering, some of you are booing. It's reported that she's in Australia to take part in the reality show I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of It. Well, joining me now is political writer at The Independent, Andy McSmith. Good morning, Andy. Morning. What do you think about Nadine going into the jungle? Uh, I think two words. Publicity stunt. Oh, really? <laughs> How cynical of you, Andy? <laughs> um, sometimes. Uh, I remember when George Galloway went into the Big Brother house, he claimed that he was going in there to get the message across. Mm. That is rubbish. There is these reality shows are no way to get a political message across. The idea that the Dean Doris can um, go into the jungle and talk to the viewers about her particular brand of right-wing conservatism is just off the wall. What will happen is it will make her very famous, and I suspect she'll be one of the first to get voted off the programme. Uh, but she is. So I, I, I kind of read it that she is aware that perhaps her political career is coming to an end. She's looking for the career afterwards, which is fair enough and is fine. She'll get, what, 40, 50, 60 grand out of this. Yeah. And it will, if she does well in this, not necessarily stays a long time but looks good, she will get a TV career out of this, won't she? Oh, I think so, yes. I mean, uh, Lembic Opic, who lost his seat um, the last election, has done very well out mm. of the, this kind of um, self-publicity. I, I don't necessarily see that her career is over. Right. What, was, what was certain was, as you know, David Cameron wants to redraw the parliamentary boundaries. Mm. Now, if Cameron could get that les- legislation through Parliament, then Nadine Dyche was going to be one of the casualties. But the Liberal Democrats are saying they're not going to put that let that legislation go through. So I, I, I don't think that she's fated to cease to be an MP at the next general election. You mentioned Cameron. How do you think he'll react to the news? Oh, I think there'll be a rolling of the eyebrows in <laughs> Downing Street. I mean, he's already get long since given up on the Dean Doris as a, a, a loyal party uh, MP. I mean, he, she's caused him all kinds of trouble, and he knows that she's out of his control, but... I, I, I just think, oh, God, not her again. <laughs> Do you think it's right for a serving MP to go in the jungle? Not really, no. I mean, I, 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 I don't think that people would approve this sort of thing. Uh, you know, they get a pretty good salary as an MP, mm. and so uh, she can't really claim that she desperately needs that kind of money. And supposedly her job is to be representing the uh, people of Bedfordshire, not... Uh, messing around in a jungle you, you outside the world. You mentioned the nation's jester, Lembid Opic. We had him on earlier on. Uh, yeah. And he seemed to think, A, it was acceptable for her to go in while she was a serving MP, and she should still be paid her MP's salary for that month. Yeah, well, I mean, Lembic, you know, isn't necessarily the best person to ask about that. Yeah, he's got a slight best interest in defending people who go on yeah. weird reality TV shows. I don't think you find that point of view was a general one among MPs. Andy, listen, fascinating to talk to you. Thank you very much. Political writer at The Independent, Andy McSmith. Uh, you can, you've still got time to give me a call on this, 08459 455 555. Jonathan will be talking about it after nine as well. So maybe you want to start emailing in to get in touch with him. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Uh, well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey has spent the morning in Amptill. Good morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I have indeed. Excellent. Lots of reaction coming in. We're going to be talking to Rose live from the radio car in just a second. But uh, here's somebody I spoke to earlier on talking about this. Well, Magda, you've heard about the news this morning about Nadine Dorries, your local MP. What's your reaction? Be brutally honest. 
Um, I think it, she's ra- it's rather tacky, actually. Um, she's there to represent, um, you know, us uh, in, in Parliament, which, um, you know, is a well-respected um, and long-established um, organisation. And um, I'm not sure that I really want to see her on her underwear on this television. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm absolutely sure, thank you, yes. A lot of people have said to me this morning, she's letting us down. As somebody who lives here in Amsterdam, do you feel like she is letting you down by doing this? I think she has, um, you know, the ability to make a fool of herself, uh, to be perfectly honest, and um, always gets herself into hot water and is very controversial. Um, so, yes, I mean, you know, going on I'm a Celebrity, I think, is um, a bit low. <laughs> and you mentioned controversial there. That's probably the reason why she has been picked, because clearly she's not a celebrity. No MP is a celebrity, but being controversial, she might make some good TV. Um, she might make good TV, but who's looking after her constituent, uh, constituency while she's in the jungle? <laughs> You're concerned about this, aren't you? Well, um, I, I, I just think that um, it's, it's not proper, yeah. Set of views there of one local resident earlier on this morning. And Ian, joining us live here in the radio car is Rose. Rose, you've seen the Daily Mail. Your local MP is on the front page. You've heard about the story this morning. What's your reaction to the news? My immediate reaction is that she's not a celebrity. So why is she going in the jungle? My second thought is that she's our MP. She's supposed to be working for us, although that is questionable. Hmm. And she's going, going to be away from us. She's not going to be listening to her constituents. Um, and is she going to be paid to go in the jungle? And is she still going to be paid her MP's wage? And I think that is quite an important thing to consider. OK, let me ask you this just lastly. Have you lost total respect for your local MP if, of course, she appears on that TV show this weekend? Yes or no? Well, yes, but I've already lost respect anyway. So this is too little, too late anyway? It is a little yeah. bit, yes, I'm I mean, afraid. So you can't see any positives at all, because what she's saying is 16 million people watching this TV programme, some of my main issues, I will be able to get those out to a bigger audience. No positives whatsoever? It's a jungle, really yeah. the place to do political issues. And let's be honest, you know, 16 million people, they're going to say, Nadine who? Mm. They're not going to know who she is. And look at the effect that George Galloway had when he went on Big Brother and things. Mind you, it was quite funny watching him being a pussycat, wasn't it? I thought it was pathetic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, thank you so much for your time. really appreciate right, it. Thanks, Justin. There you go, Rose joining us live. And um, Rose, again, concerned like many people, Nadine Doris, if she wants to go on to this TV show, Ian, she would be the first serving MP to mm. do so. She'd be missing lots of very important meetings, like a, an EU budget vote, George Osborne's UK mini-budget as well. You've heard reaction this morning. Out of all the people I've spoken to this morning in Amtsville, in mid-Bedfordshire, there was only one person who said, I think it's good. And that's not good for mid-Bedfordshire. He was saying... It's good for Nadine Doris. And when has an MP ever become a celebrity? That's the big question for me. It is. It, it, I think it is worrying that we start considering MPs as celebrities. Yeah. And also, but let's be honest, Justin. As fans of the show, we know at some point we're going to see Nadine Doris humiliated yes. by wearing a bikini <laughs> and eating a kangaroo's bum. Now, yes. I, I, I'll, I'll have some of that. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think it's wrong that she's doing it. I think mm. it's terrible that she's doing it while she's serving. But I'll watch that. You know, as somebody who watches the TV show, you're right. A local connection. For me, it's certainly going to get me more interested in that TV show. I like it anyway, but I've met Nadine many times, I've interviewed Nadine many times, so it's going to be quite interesting to find out whether we're A, going to see the real Nadine Doris, but B, also some of those trials. I can't wait for those. Justin, final question. Would you ever eat uh, a kangaroo's bum? No. Thank you very much. 
Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about loan sharks after a, a local loan shark was uh, charged recently and uh, has been found guilty and is uh, doing community service in order to pay £9,000, I think, uh, in uh, the fines and costs and things like that. Uh, Carol is on the line. She doesn't trust banks and has been using a credit union for over three years. Oh, we've been talking a lot about these credit union, Carols. Uh, Carol, why don't you trust banks? Um, well, it's my personal opinion, but I don't trust them because I think they... They lie. I mean, they cheat. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, but that's my feeling. And what's led you to that feeling? Um, well, put it this way, the state this country's in at the moment, um, they helped us get there with their greed. You know, um, in Bedford Town, um, where you walk around in the town centre, there are so many shops closed down. And you it's think that's heartbreaking, you know. Due to the banks. And yeah, but they're also giving themselves great big fat bonuses, you know. Um, this is what really grinds in the people's minds. There's many people. Carol, we're running out of time. Sorry to cut you short. Why? Yeah. Why did you choose a credit union? What, what What struck you about being so good about a credit union? Because you need to put your money somewhere. And um, I knew of his existence. I walked in, I opened up an account, and I've been there ever since. Um, they're friendly. It's non-profit making. Um, it's a good place to be. And they're, I mean, they're really nice people. Would you ever consider using a loan shark if you were really desperate? Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Sounds terrifying, doesn't it? It is, really. Um, and I think a lot more should be done about it. Restrictions should be made on anyone that lends money. Carol, um, listen, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Carolyn Bedford. There are restrictions, of course, on these loan sharks. Um, but you're not meant to do it, is, is, I guess, the kind of main one. Thank you very much uh, for that, indeed. Thank you to everyone who called in and took part and texted and emailed. It does make the show much more enjoyable for me and hopefully for you. Coming up next... It's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. 